Welcome back to the show, the wrestling show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Wrestle Talk live here on YouTube and hopefully on Spotify. Hopefully that's sorted out by now. Had some trouble loading that up last week, but it should all be ready to go this week. This show is hosted by the barman, Trevor Sutton. Trevor, what's up, man? How are you? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Hella technical difficulties this week. Was on the road. Didn't have time to really deal with all that. But we got it all fixed, all ready to go this week. Trevor, the barman, and yours truly, El Jefe of Real Take Enterprises, Omer. We are live here on YouTube. As I've said before, we've got a wonderful show planned for you. We're going to be going over and previewing AEW Road Rager 2021, all the big matches from that show. Also going to be talking about the big Twitter beef between Thea Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega, and Big Tuna Dave Meltzer. Um, we'll also be joined by Justin Baird, hopefully I said his name right, of the Juggernaut Show to answer your fan questions and take a look back at Bash at the Beach 1996, which was 25 years ago today. All that and much, much more coming up right here at Real Take Wrestle Talk. Before we get to any of that, be sure you hit that like button, subscribe, support the channel for daily videos. Also, be sure to hit that follow button, five stars on Apple Podcasts. You guys don't know the drill. Trevor, let's get into the show today. But And, and look, I, I, I want to say today we've got a mixed bag of, sh uh, of on the show today. It's going to be some fun stuff, some not-so-fun stuff. And unfortunately, we have to start off with some not-so-fun stuff today. So the official Trevor, sorry, the official Twitter account for WWE Hall of Famer Terry Funk has confirmed that the pro wrestling legend is currently dealing with many health issues and is living in an assisted living facility. As noted, it was reported earlier that Funk is suffering from dementia and is living in, the, in an assisted f facility in Armorello, Texas. The update was first provided by WWE Hall of Famer Don Morocco on his podcast and later confirmed by PW Insider. So, you know, the entire wrestling community in a very positive way has been showing support for Terry Funk today. And, and it's worth to note, Terry Funk is still alive. You know, he's been talking to his friends. It's not it's a situation where, you know, he's on the, you know, the brink of, of something terrible happening, but... You know, the, the, it is a very sobering thought, Trevor. It's a very sobering revelation that, uh, uh, about this. And, you know, I just want to get your reaction initially about this news. Man, um, it's just sad. It is sad. It's always sad when one of your uh, heroes or one of the people you used to watch growing up is sick or, you know, going through health issues. And, it, and it's sad. Um, I love Terry Funk. I, I've watched, I remember watching him growing up. Uh, you know, Terry was a nutcase it always has been but he's a great wrestler um he had great matches in new japan great matches everywhere he was um yeah it just it's, it's sad the to know he's you know his current situation but he's a fighter he'll, he'll, he'll keep fighting i know he's not giving up without a fight definitely Oh yeah, totally. Uh, and for any evidence, anyone who wants evidence of that, you know, he spoke with Tommy Dreamer, and Tommy Dreamer recently revealed today uh, about the conversation that he had with Terry Funk, and he said that quote, uh, Terry said, sorry, quote, I'm currently sitting in an assistant living place with my thumb up my ass, whistling Dixie, but I don't remember the words. So 
he's in good spirits. Uh, he's obviously making reference and joking about, you know, the the reality of him having, you know, dementia. Um, but, you know, he's taking in a stride, which the best way you can take it, honestly, at that point. But I want to kind of switch gears and just, you know, for a second, talk about Terry Funk and his career and what he's meant for wrestling. And a lot of people, you know, when they think about Terry Funk, Trevor, they think about the the hardcore legend. They think about ECW. They think about the, the, this person who helped legitimize ECW as a brand in the 90s. And while that is true, I think what a lot of people leave out is the reason that someone like Terry Funk was able to legitimize ECW, like this new extreme fringe brand. The reason for that is Terry Funk was an established star in wrestling so 20 years before he ever stepped foot in the ECW arena. Yep. He won the NWE title in 1975, um, and, he, and he was a champion for what I believe was over a year. I believe it was like 400-something days. So Funk, he was a champion, a world's heavyweight champion, the NWA world's heavyweight champion in his own right. And I think a lot of people forget about that. A lot of people like to remember Chainsaw Charlie, which, hey, it was his it was his idea. But well, a lot of people remember Chainsaw Charlie. A lot of people remember, you know, his matches at ECW, which were all great. But I think one thing we always leave out or that people tend to leave out is, are the matches he had in Japan, the, the, the runs that he had in in, you know, in Texas before he became big time. He was obviously in the Hall of Fame, as you can see here. Um, but, you know, like, Terry Funk was an established star long before he became a hardcore legend. This is evidence of it, him with the NWA world title in the 70s. So, you know, I, I think... He had skills, man. He did. Yeah. He had skills. He was actually yeah. a pretty technical guy. And you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine that uh, someone like him to be that technical. But he was actually a pretty technical wrestler. Um, he, he was, man, it, I, like I said, I remember seeing him even, like, fight some of the Von Erics and, 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 you know guys like that and things and uh even uh dusty Rhodes, guys like that like he he wasn't a very accomplished wrestler like you said he wouldn't have been able to do the things he did without being so um yeah. you you mentioned something about uh dementia earlier because oh, we're talking about this uh in a story he mentioned um like my grandmother also had dementia and i take away some of the you know some of the funnier parts from the things that was said, and uh, my grandmother said something similar to uh, that Terry said. He co she goes, uh, I walk in the room, I said, are you hungry? And she goes, yeah, I am. I want something to eat, but I got to be honest with you. I have no idea what the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just the, the, um, the, the, the attitude you have to have. For something like that and um he's he has the right mentality for it. you got the those saying goes you gotta laugh because keep from crying and that's pretty much what you gotta do yeah man i mean look we like we all fall on hard times sometimes to you know misquote dusty roads right but it, it's not so much i think about you know what is wrong with you it's about how you deal with it. and i think people like your grandmother people like uh terry funk are probably dealing with it as good as, like I said, anyone can. And, and like, you know, that's props to them, props to, because, like, you know, who, who knows? Who can imagine what's going through your, you know, your mind, like, when, when you're told news like that, when you're, when the reality hits you in, in an assisted living facility. But Terry Funk has given so much, 
so much. Cannot emphasize this enough to the wrestling business. He's literally put his life on the line for decades. Uh, there was the meme of him retiring, you know, like whatever, 20 times, I believe, in the past. Like, literally, he's had like yeah. 20 retirement matches. Uh, but, you know, he, but, 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 like, there's a reason for that. Terry Funk is the epitome of passion in the wrestling business. Nobody in the wrestling business, you can argue, had more passion, has more passion for the wrestling business than Terry Funk. You know, uh, this dude, his knees were shot, completely shot. He didn't have any cartilage in his knees in the, in the 90s. Still went out there and wrestled. He, like he had, he last wrestled a match in WWE in 2006. 2006. Truly, yeah. think about that. And it was a hardcore. He started match. in the 70s. <laughs> he, he started in the 60s. Like, 60s like Terry, actually, yeah, you're right. Terry, yeah. Terry, Terry Funk. Yeah, no, I, I'm sorry, but Terry Funk has been around. That's People right, forget. Yeah. Right, very. That, that's a black and white picture. Terry Funk's been around for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he, so he's, tr- yeah. So he is truly some a legend. When when people say hardcore legend, I think. You know, it, it, it's accurate, but it takes away from what Terry Funk gave to the wrestling business. If you haven't watched any of his NWA matches, do yourself a favor. Go watch that. If he's on your mind, go watch them. Go watch him at in ECW. Go watch something to yeah. to something new to kind of broaden your perspective about Terry Funk, the wrestler, Terry Funk, the entertainer. Because that's the reason. Remember, that's the reason Terry Funk did all this. He didn't. He could wrestle in front of five people, and he would feel the same rush as wrestling in front of 5,000 people. That's the type of mentality that Terry Funk has. So, you know, uh, I, I know I can speak for you, Trevor, when I say, Terry Funk, we love you. We're thinking about you. And, man, dude, big props to you. You know, good luck to you. Good luck to your family. Your prayers, thoughts are completely with you guys. Keep raising hail, Terry. Keep raising hell, Terry. Keep raising hell. So, yeah, again, Terry Funk, man. Living, literally, I know we like to say, who, who, who's the guy? Uh, uh, living Zabisco. legend. Larry Zabisco. Everyone calls him a, a living legend, which he is. Uh, but, you know, I think today Terry Funk really has, has, can take that moniker because that's truly what he is. And, again, yeah. I emphasize, go watch some stuff. Go watch some some old uh, Terry Funk stuff. It's on the network. It's on Daily Motion, on YouTube. You'll find it. Check him out. Check him out. He's great. Also, check out our daily videos. Hit that thumbs up button, guys. Subscribe to the channel so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Trevor, let's segue into something that is a little more positive, and that is Zelina Vega making her in-ring return to WWE. A lot of people did not see this coming. Let's talk about it. Zelina Vega made her surprise return to WWE TV last week on Friday Night SmackDown, marking her return to WWE after being released from the company back in November. And it was reportedly over issues with her Twitch channel. That was when WWE was cracking down on third-party platforms like Twitch and Cameo. So there seemed to be at an impasse there. She was one of the more vocal people against that stance that WWE took. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select reported shortly after Vega's return match with Liv Liv Morgan that Vega has been in WWE and has been signed to the internal roster for about a month now. So so she's been there. There's been reports that she had returned, but she officially made her return on SmackDown last week. Trevor, how big a surprise was, was it to see Zelina Vega back in WWE? I think everyone was just as surprised as I was. Um, I didn't think she would be back. Just, I mean, due to everything that happened, 
And due to like some of you know some of the things she said on Twitter and things like that, I, I just thought that what the company was done with her and she was done with them. Um, it's good to see her on TV though. It's amazing to see her on TV. She's very talented. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed with her work. She doesn't seem like she had any ring rust at all. Um, yeah, it was good to see her. Definitely good to see her. I was I kind of thought she was either gonna hit another promotion like maybe. ROH or just surf the indies for a while. So it's good to see her back on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I think that, you know, her being back kind of probably indicates something for me that, that I thought about at least. It was, I think maybe that whole third party, you know, thing that came out with WWE of them cracking down on Twitch and Cameo. Either A, that was a little overblown. Right. Um, even though I could totally see them doing something like that, or maybe they come came to some resolution about that because there was a lot of outcry from the talent and in the media, uh, right. especially. So I think maybe, maybe, so I think that's like one thing to take away from this that I think a lot of people are probably not hitting on. The other thing is, I think it's great. Zelina Vega is a great, she's great on promos. We know she has the ability in the ring, even though she hasn't been in the ring, which is my next question, Trevor. What do you think about her being a singles wrestler after, you know, for so long, she was Andrade's manager. That was her role. She was right. she was her his valet. Um, and now she's going back into wrestling, which I'm all for, and I cannot wait to see what she does because she was one of the, honestly one of the best in-ring wrestlers in NXT and during her time there, her early time there. So let's what do you think about that? What's the, the what's the future? Sorry, look like for Zelina Vega, the singles competitor. No, it, it it all depends on how they push her. Honestly, um, like to me, putting her on SmackDown means at this point, at this current juncture, that they're trying to push her. Like they, that, they might eventually give her a push. You know, because like I feel like if they put her on on Raw, that's not much of a push for her. Even though they are they are putting other wrestlers on, uh, you know, that have been on the main roster back on NXT. That might be a good move for her too. But I, I honestly just want to see her in the spotlight. Now that she's back, I want to see her do something. You know what I mean? I want to see them use her, use her talent like they should have in the first place. Um, some, it, it, sometimes when you see f- even male, like male managers or female managers, once they get into the wrestling, sometimes it doesn't translate well. Like uh, Melina and, um, and uh, Eminem, um, that didn't work too well. Uh, even though she was a decent wrestler, I, I actually love Melina, and actually she's doing well in other other promotions now. But I don't know if she worked that well the, with the fans. I, I don't think people really cared for her too much. Um, but yeah, so you have you have your situations like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm, in, I'm happy to see her wrestling, and I think this is going to be a, a good work for her. Yeah, uh, I think you said it a lot there that I I, I can agree with. If there's anyone who's gonna who can make that transition from valet to full time competitor and be over with the fans, it's someone like Selena Vega. She's got the charisma, she's got the in ring ability, she's got the notoriety now from her Twitch and her Twitter. Like she's one of the right. more vocal people on Twitter, which we'll get to in a segment because there's some drama, some hot goss between her and Big Tuna Dave Meltzer. <laughs> but you know, just coming from that standpoint, she has the ability to be a big, a huge star for SmackDown, potentially lead the SmackDown women's brand as, you know, we know that there's Bianca Belair in that mix, you know, and she, and look, Zelina Vega just qualified for Money in the Bank. 
So this yeah. could they could this could be a big rocket ship to the moon type of situation. Maybe she's the big heel who's going to take the belt off of Bianca one day. And if that's the case, imagine the promos that a heel Zelina Vega with okay. a championship around her waist is going to be cutting on SmackDown. Exactly. And you combine that with Paul Heyman with Roman Reigns on 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 the mic. You combine that with I know I know you don't like him, but with Pat McAfee and his his. A, 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 like very expressive nature. Yeah, like you, I said, he's he's growing on me. He, he is growing on me. And and you combine that with everything else that SmackDown is doing very right because SmackDown, like I said, best WWE show by a mile. I yeah. think NXT. I've been watching it lately, even though we're not watching it tonight. I'm watching it lately. It is. It, it's getting eh. It was lacking, really good yeah. there. It's lacking, but SmackDown is a first class doing great things and pushing Zelina Vega would be an- another notch on their belt. Yeah. I can't wait to see her. Oh, me too. I can't wait to see this money in the bank and see what she does. Oh yeah, man. Let's talk about something else that has to do with Zelina Vega real quickly before we get into the other thing that has to do with Zelina Vega, because there's so much Zelina Vega news. <laughs> um, so Trevor, Zelina Vega is back with WWE. Like I said, when she left, when she was cut in November, she tweeted out the same day calling for wrestlers to unionize. And that galvanized a lot of people like myself to speak about it even on this very channel. That galvanized a lot of people to really get involved in the conversation. Even presidential candidate Andrew Yang spoke about it specifically, specifically Zelina Vega's comments. So it made a big buzz in the media, made a big buzz amongst wrestling fans. And recently she's come back. And the tweet has apparently been taken down. What do you think about that and maybe the message it could send to people who want to see wrestlers unionize, who want to see wrestlers actually have some leverage over companies that can just cut them on uh, no on like a no, uh, you know, on no trial or no like who can just cut them like tomorrow if they wanted to? See, I don't think this is exactly what she meant, but there's a couple of different things that you can you can uh, infer from from this. You can take it as maybe she got her job back, so maybe she doesn't feel as strongly as she did. Um, you could think it. A lot, a lot of people will probably take that as well. She's kind of wishy washy on her thoughts. She's not really trying to fight for it. Um, she's not really into it it was just something she said while she was mad and i and i i honestly don't know her of course neither one of us know her but i don't believe that was what she was trying to portray by erasing it i honestly don't know what she was thinking but i don't necessarily believe that's what she was trying to portray by taking it down um it's but it does come off as wrong it, it, it does come off as a little weird, you know what I mean? It comes off, it, you can look at it in a in a different light now that she's back and it's off on Twitter. Um, I actually would love to see if she actually uh, um, talks about it sometime soon. But um, as now, as someone is as an outsider looking in, it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look good, but I'm not going to assume the worst, you know what I mean? I, I think that's probably the right take on it. Um, so for me, and I want to be clear, I don't blame Zelina Vega for taking down this tweet. Exactly. You know, you're 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 coming in back with the company. Uh, you you have to make a living, and I understand that, and I empathize with that, and I sympathize with that. And look, 
She did the right thing for herself by taking down that tweet. You know, you don't want to burn any bridges. I understand that. That's perfectly fine. We all have to make sacrifices. Life isn't perfect. No, 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 no bad will. No, nothing against Selena Vega. But the one thing I will say is what I think this could have been had she not even kept the tweet up. Because it's not even just about the tweet. Yeah. Had she re-signed and then possibly, you know, maybe internally led the charge on a potential, you know, unionization or even left the tweet up, left the tweet pinned like I believe she had earlier. You know, that, that, that could have sent a very strong message. And again, this is not I'm not saying I'm not telling her what she should have done. I'm not telling her what because I'm not in her shoes. Right. Obviously. But what I will say is it, it could have been a very powerful message, because one thing we do know is that unions are needed. If in any industry unions are needed, it is professional wrestling, uh, especially when you get to the big time, when you get to the the big level like WWE and even AEW now. Like AEW, I'll be calling on them very soon, honestly, to like begin that process of unionization because there's been a lot of talk in like in AEW circles that that might be the track that they're leading down eventually. You yeah. know, and I'm waiting for the financials to kind of see where that is because you know they're a new company you got to give them some leeway i understand that but for wwe i think you know the the idea of unionization it's it's well beyond zelina vega it's well beyond one tweet it, it's you need the entire locker room you need solidarity with the entire locker room and you need people who are unafraid who are unafraid of getting fired who are unafraid of losing their jobs who are unafraid of standing up for the rights of not just the people that are there in the locker room now, but for the people who are going to come after, for the people who came before. Because we look at people, look at someone like Terry Funk. The terrible news we found out about Terry Funk this week. The the fact that he had no cartilage in his knees for decades. The fact that the dude, his body was failing him for the past 25 years. If someone like Terry Funk had had like you know union a union had a pension had health insurance for a lot longer things could have been very different you look at look at someone like uh like Kamala look at someone like Iron Sheik all these all these wrestlers who in their late age have de debilitating health problems that are caused by wrestling in many ways think about where their lives could be they wouldn't have to crowd fundraise you know like fundraise their money for their surgeries jake the rob jake state roberts literally had to crowdfund his surgeries a few years back and he got help with ddp thank god but yeah. there's really not a need for that and again this is well beyond Zelina vega i want to make that abundantly clear before someone puts words in my mouth it's yeah. well beyond Zelina vega there's nothing to do with, with it's vega. very easy for me to say that i'm oh if i was Zelina vega i would go out there and i would i would have a meeting on the first day to unionize it's very easy for me to say that but i'm not in her shoes and putting myself in her shoes it would still be a very difficult thing to do but i i just want to kind of shift the conversation over to specifically the importance the importance and for the need of solidarity amongst the locker rooms the importance of the need to have a movement, have have the energy in a locker room geared towards gaining leverage, gaining support for a better working environment, more rights as workers, and finally put to bed this whole independent contractor bullshit that WWE has been doing for the right. longest time. Because they can't have it both ways. You WWE 
cannot have it both ways where they're an independent contractor, but WWE literally controls every single aspect of their business. Keith Lee and WWE should not be in a war right now for their for Keith Lee's name in a, in a trademark battle. That shouldn't be happening. So, again, I, I, I just hope that this conversation about unionization didn't end with that tweet. I just hope it extends farther. But it's going to require, honestly, it's going to require a lot from the wrestlers. It is going to require a, a big movement from the wrestlers to do this. And Vince McMahon is a very shrewd businessman. We know this, Trevor. He is yeah. someone who does not care about the, you know, necessarily the, the wrestlers as a, as a body. He is someone who has fired people like uh, Jesse Ventura in the past who tried to yeah. unionize, who, who tried to get, that, yeah. help out the boys. He's criticized people like CM Punk for trying to stand up for the boys and, and you know, other things. So it's going to be a long fight. It's ne And look, as far as like a timeline for unionization, man, this it, it, it could never happen. It legitimately could never happen in WWE, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a nice thing to have, especially, like you said, this individual contract stuff is 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 awful. Like these these people need to have need need these jobs nine times out of ten, feed their family, keep clothes on their backs, and to have a union will help them out greatly. Um, like you mentioned, healthcare and, and things like that that that'll definitely help out. Um, I'm actually I, I am actually am kind of shocked since yes, it's an it's entertainment so to speak, but it's also sports. So I am kind of shocked that they don't have something in place before now, but. Definitely. It, it, something needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, even look at Hollywood. The actors have a union. Writers <laughs> have a union. Like, 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 like there, there is no – sports have a union. There is no reason that sports entertainment <laughs> should not have a union, Vince, <laughs> just to use his own words against them. Uh, so, again, for the, for the one wrestler who might eventually hear this one day, think about it. Truly think about it. And – Again, it, it honestly, just to put a bow on this, man, it's like it's gonna be hard too because oh, it, yeah, it is. It's just like you would need someone big, you would need someone huge signed to WWE to come out and do this. Like John Cena would have to literally come out and and, and support this, and that's the only way this would get um, any traction. Uh, unless literally half the locker room walks out on strike or something, right. like right. there, there's no way, there's no way, and it, and it, look, even still, it'll still be a, a rough way to go. Yeah, but. Again, I, I it, no one ever said it would be easy, and it's not. Look at like what Amazon. We're getting political here, but uh, like look what's happening yes, to Amazon, yeah. man. <laughs> they they tried they tried to unionize because like you know Amazon workers were literally shitting in bags on the sh on their shift, and uh, Amazon was able to keep that from happening, and they have been. So we'll see, we'll see. It's a long, it's a long bite, it's a long fight. Let's move on, Trevor, and talk about something else that has to do with Zelina Vega, but also not just Zelina <laughs> Vega. <laughs> Big Tuna Dave Meltzer got caught up in some hot goss with Zelina Vega. Let's take a look at this. So it all started with this tweet from Thea Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega, in which she said, Actual footage of dirt sheet writers trying to think of the next lie to post about me. So, 
Wow. That's a that's a little bit of a shot at some of the reports that came out when she was cut about, you know, the reasons that she left WWE and how that all went down. So and, th and this was made after her return. So a little bit of a shot there. Uh, but one person who took it very, very personally, Trevor, was one Dave Meltzer. Meltzer was on his Wrestling Observer radio show. And he went on to call out Trinidad for these comments about Dirt Shoot writers specifically. You know, on his show, he said that he took offense to their comments, went on to call them stupid, said that, you know, when you use the word wrestling journalists and don't point out who you're referring to, I have no respect for you. That's a quote from Meltzer right there. You know, and so, so it, it got a bit heated. And from Meltzer's perspective, what he specifically, I feel like, didn't like was the fact that she said wrestling journalists, dirt sheet writers, plural, meaning it, it encompasses Dave Meltzer. People automatically are looking at people like Meltzer, Sean Ross Sapp, and not not necessarily someone else. You know, there's a lot of dirt sheet writers who don't have the credibility of a Meltzer, of a Sean Ross Sapp. So there's a so there's a lot out there. I think Meltzer, you know, he in a way he is kind of right to be a little upset. But after that. After Zelina Vega, Thea Trinidad, heard about these comments, she took to Twitter with some comments of her own. She says, Hey Dave, instead of name calling, I'll ask you to please point out where I said all dirt sheet writers in that tweet, or would that make your aggressive and nonsensical argument invalid? You can't, <laughs> you can keep your respect as I lost mine for you when you started tearing down and degrading women in this business. For wow. no reason, I wasn't referring to you. But if you think the shoe fits, that's on you. Wow, <laughs> lot, lot to break down in that tweet. Oh, and man. there's more, there's more, but there's a lot to break down in that tweet. So, she, she obviously took offense to the way that Melter came across in his comments because he did come across pretty aggressive. And the specific line that she says here about tearing down degrading women in the business. That's a shot at Meltzer for comments that he made about Charlotte Flair and her appearance. So, and again, hey, I'm not not touching that one because Meltzer, I think, was wrong for that because he went way over the line in those comments. But yeah. speaking of Meltzer comments, he commented again. Meltzer can't stay off of Twitter. He, he quote retweeted Thea Trinidad saying, you should point out who lied in the specifics of the lie rather than a blanket statement <laughs> and group people in one category. I explained that in detail how horrible it would be to say something bad about wrestlers that only apply to a small percentage of them. Well, Dave. Ooh, that's a lot. So, Trevor, just... What is so? Here's the thing. What is this? Is this a case of like misunderstanding and miscommunication, or is this something more? Is there something more here that you know we, we might not be privy to? So, here's the thing I, I can't necessarily say it's a miscommunication when he did kind of degrade women, so that that's that's something he actually said. So, maybe not verbatim, but the comments he made about Charlotte Flair, Flair aren't okay, they're not. Um. So maybe that was, you know, that was necessary, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, he has made comments about Selena Vega and things like that. I mean, it, it could be a misunderstanding. It could be just one journalist speaking their mind and speaking it to a point where no one, no one really needs to hear that opinion, but he wants to put it out anyway. And Selena, Selena called wind of it and 
said, they said her piece. I mean, the things sometimes, and I'm putting up here, sometimes things said by journalists and media are mistaken. They're, they're mm-hmm. not, sometimes it's taken out of context and, and people take offense. Now, other times they're taken directly in context and people should take offense. But in this particular situation, I say, I say maybe maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's a little mm. bit of a misunderstanding, and a lot of what he what we haven't read or don't know about. Yeah, I so I tend to agree with you on that. It's a little bit of both. I think there is a lot of miscommunication, but I also think that if we look, if you look at it on the surface, right, I understand why Meltzer is upset. I actually do because yeah. Dave Meltzer is someone who gets. A lot of flack from wrestlers, from podcasters like Eric Bischoff and and something and the guy uh, Bruce Pritchard from Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard literally came out with a shirt that said "Fuck Dave Meltzer" oh, yeah, and sold it. So like you know, there's I, he gets a lot of flack, and a lot of it is unnecessary if you ask me, because Dave Meltzer is literally doing what anyone in any industry does. He's reporting on what's going on in the wrestling business, just like how people report on sports, just like how people report on actors. It's an industry. You're going to have someone report on it. It's a niche. Melter likes to do it. And you know what? For a very long time, he was very good at it, and he still is pretty good at it. Um, But that aside, I think his comments here are are very out of line. Like, here's the thing. I, while I empathize with the fact that, you know, maybe this just set him off, you know, he, he kind of saw this and it, he thought it was a shot at him. While I get, like, you know, maybe this was like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for him. The way he came after Thea Trinidad, the way he, he made, he articulated his argument was unfair. It was unfair because, you know, she obviously didn't name him by name. It was unfair because it, he just comes across as overreacting to the situation, quite frankly. Because it was, if you look at the tweet, it was, this was a very, like, like her initial tweet was very, very, like, tame. It was, yeah. this was not something to make a huge deal about. This was not, it's not like, she just, it was, it was just a tweet. It, it, I, I don't think it was something to write home about, something to be mad about. But, you know, he took it up a notch, and then she took it up another notch. And look. As much as I appreciate Dave Meltzer, the work he's done, and what he means to the wrestling business, I I can't really defend a lot of what he's done here because it just seems like he's escalated this. And while, again, while I empathize with him being frustrated probably by being called out every single week, by by being trashed on Twitter all the time, he he overreacted here. There's really no other way to put it. He shouldn't have went after her specifically like the way he did. If he wanted to make a point about, you know, like this and other things, that would have been different. But coming after Thea Trinidad was completely, I think, out of line the way he did it. Um, And it's miscommunication. I genuinely believe part of it is miscommunication. I think he read into it way more than she did. I, I think he just read into that tweet way more than she and honestly everybody else that you don't see Sean Ross Sapp who also gets called out a lot not as much as Meltzer but a lot you don't see Sean Ross Sapp doing things like that when you know they are Trinidad or other people tweet about them you know it's it was unfair on Meltzer's part and I hope he I hope like eventually he understands that and and they can move on but I don't know I think I think this was pretty bad 
I think this was yeah. actually pretty bad. Like it, 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 it really tore. Like it's weird though. There were a lot of people defending Meltzer, and again, well, I empathize with with defending Meltzer. Like as far as the amount he gets trashed on for unnecessary stuff, it's this is just nah. You can't do it. No, this this is unacceptable. You can't do it, especially on that platform. You know, like there's just. But like like you said, she said it's nothing she really said. Like she didn't make a direct comment to him. Like he took he's the one that got butter and, and took it personal. Like and the person of his stature, you can't do that. You get the person with well, like David Melser, who has his name, has his credibility, you can't do that. Because right now it makes you look like an idiot. It really does. Childish though. All of this. All of this. Yeah. Like 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 all of this is childish. Like I just want to be clear. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. All of this is childish. Yeah. Um, let's go to the chat real quick because since he edits, I wonder if that if T. Higgins might have changed his name. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Since he edits says, I'm here, LOL. I definitely wasn't playing WWE 2K. So it means he this, this person was definitely, definitely was playing WWE. Definitely <laughs> was. Uh, since he edits also says in the chat, Melter do be pressed. Oh, he, he Melter do be pressed, man. His his uh his shows are pretty he be pressed. Uh, Meltzer forgot the world doesn't revolve around him. That's that's also, I think, a fair comment because yeah. she didn't call him out by name. He, you know, he read into it way too much, and it is T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is now since he edits. I'm still going to call you T. Higgins because that's how I know you by. But what's up, T? Love to see you. Thank you for the support, what's brother. Uh, let's move on, Trev, to our next uh, topic for today. And that is... Yeah, and and honestly, this is. I know I said we we were gonna be in and out as far as seriousness goes. Uh, this is a very serious issue right here that we're gonna talk about next, and it's unfortunate. I, I I don't I don't. It's not gonna be a lot of joking going on in this segment. It's going to be very serious. Um, so Jimmy Uso, real name Jonathan Fatu, was booked in the early hours of July sixth on a misdemeanor DUI charge. While further documents by TMZ Sports show that the WWE superstar did also receive a citation for running a red light and for speeding. Uso was pulled over by, by police on Monday evening in Pensacola, Florida when he ran a red light and was driving 50 miles per hour in a 35 zone. Officers then said that Uso was swaying around very awkwardly, exited the vehicle, and they gave him a blood alcohol content test where he reportedly had a blood alcohol level of 0.205, well, well beyond the legal limit. This marks the third DUI charge for FOT2 in the past few years. WWE management are apparently extremely disappointed and, quote, legitimately pissed off over Jimmy Uso's, D- Jimmy Uso's DUI arrest, according to a report from WrestleVotes. And they said, quote, I've spoken to two sources this morning on the Jimmy Uso news. I can say with certainty that few high-level people in power are extremely disappointed and legitimately pissed off. This many times isn't a mistake or bad luck. It's personal judgment, not good. Trevor, what do you make of this from Jimmy Uso news about him being arrested and charged on another GDUI? And, you know, where does he go from here? It's... It's definitely sad. I mean, um, and honestly, this is something that he could be released for. And uh, and in certain certain uh, in certain times and certain points of your career, once has happened more than once, you, you, you wonder if he should be released. 
does he like does he actually have a problem does he have like should he should he seek help for it? you know what i mean like it's it's you have all these questions now because this like this isn't like the first time like even the first time was bad but like first time you're like okay like he made a mistake you know but like you constantly make the same mistake constantly and it's getting to a point where you're like do you really care do you, I mean, are you not coherent enough to know, make a better decision? Obviously not, because he keeps making this wrong decision. So you're wondering if, like, honestly, my, my worry is that maybe drinking is a, is a problem and that he maybe he needs to see help. Like, I mean, no one said anything about him being a heavy drinker or anything like that. But, I mean, having that many DUIs, it, it, you know, you kind of get the wonder. And if he does need help, like, like, please get it you know what i mean like before anything worse happens yeah and and i think that you know the the irresponsible thing to do would be to try to get him help and it's it's not even indicative of like yo he has a specifically a drinking problem it could right. very well be a bad judgment problem because it could it, it, the, because could. the the best case scenario is that this is a case of just bad judgment on on um jimmy uso's part and that he, you know, might be impulsive or whatever, right? We, I don't know his situation specifically. All I know is from the reports, three DUI arrests in the past few years. And, you know, this last one it, coming at now in his career when he's in a big main event spot right now, yeah. it, it shows you that there is a problem. And what I hope for Jimmy Uso, what I hope for Jonathan Fott too, is that he gets help. And whether that be counseling, whether that be, you know, AA, whatever he needs to get done, I hope he gets that. Because, look, and if it is a case of bad judgment and if he has gotten help before, look, WWE has been has been known, especially recently, that a lot of people, a lot more people than we thought are expendable. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're Roman Reigns' cousin. I think that, you know, if it's if it's a thing where Jimmy Uso has, you know, a a more of an impulse control problem rather than a drinking problem, don't be surprised if you see him get released, especially considering how mad they are. And I got and look, I actually think I side a little bit more with WWE on this, which, you know, is a miracle because I almost never side with them on anything. (laughs) I would be pissed, too. I would be disappointed, too. This wrestler who you've invested so much time and who's been so successful for you keeps making the same mistake over and over and over again. And it's not only detrimental to the company. It's not only detrimental to the other talent that he is working with or he wrestles with or the storylines they've already developed. It's detrimental to to Jonathan Fott, too. Which is why, again, I'm not judging him. I wish him, legitimately wish him the best. I legitimately wish him the best and he gets help. And I hope that he doesn't face any jail time because, Trevor, I don't know what the laws are in Florida, but I think three DUIs, like like anywhere else, like that's the, he could face some, 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 some jail time potentially. Because exactly. I know people who have gotten multiple DUIs, you know, in the news, and they usually end up having to face some sort of jail time. But... Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's very three or four. I'm not sure exactly how many the, the number is, but I know it's. I've, I've had friends that face some jail time, unfortunately, over that. So, yeah, man, it's it's a scary situation. It definitely is. Yeah, the best we can say is we hope the best for Jonathan Fatu, not Jimmy Uso, the real person, okay. Jonathan Fatu. We hope the best for you, and just anyone out there who is reeling with any sort of even in even bad judgment problems and you're aware of it 
get help. Talk to someone. It's no, nothing to be ashamed about. We've all done it. We've all gotten help for various reasons. Talk to someone. Exactly. Yep. <sighs> well, Trevor, let's move on now. And again, wishing the best to Jimmy Uso. Let's move on now and talk about Lana. The oh, what should we refer to Lana as from now on? The the first lady of TNT or or uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we should refer to her, but yeah, her husband is her husband is doing some hilarious religious stuff. Oh, I, I love, love religious I love religious zealot uh Miro. It is just I am I am God's champion. God's <laughs> so favorite good. champion. God's favorite champion, Miro. Forget him though. Let's talk about Lana, real name, CJ Perry. She did an interview with Talkies Jericho, that is Chris Jericho's podcast, where she was asked if she had heard from Vince McMahon after her release. She responded that, I did get a text. I definitely got emotional about it because it was like a goodbye for me, you know? He thanked me for my incredible work ethic and for my relentless desire to be the best that I could be and for all the contributions I gave to the WWE for so, so that really means a lot. The hardest part for me was the goodbye part. It changed, a, and it changed a little bit. People are at least talking to each other. It used to be where you got completely cut off. Um, so she kind of shed light on that, like how WWE has kind of changed a little, probably for the better, that, you know, there is a little bit more of an open dialogue. She also talked about uh, how the work hours sometimes for her would be insane considering the pandemic and everything because they would be shooting Raw and SmackDown, taping it like two weeks out in a row. And there were some times where she had to be there literally for like 16 hours to shoot a five-minute segment. So like, she, she, she shed some light on that. She also said that in the future, she wants a no-cut contract if she does return to wrestling. So... That might be a requirement. So what do you think about this? The reports that, you know, she's moving forward, wants that no-cut contract, uh, and this interview she did with Chris Jericho. Yeah, man, that's... I mean, it, it's kind of sad to hear that... I mean, it's glad, I'm glad to hear that the, the atmosphere has changed, but it's kind of sad to hear that that's, that's how it used to be, that they just cut each other off. And, like, even if you you had friends, they just don't talk to you. That's sad, actually. But it's good to know that they're going toward, you know, but uh, a, a better way of doing things. Um, it it she's another one that we've talked about that it didn't really make any sense why they cut her. Um, but I wish her the best. And it seems like from the tweets and the interviews and things I've seen about her, like she's doing well. Um, she hasn't really said what she's gonna do. Um, but it also makes you think, like, like I mean, she she mentioned how sad it made her with with. Uh, Vince McMahon, I can and I can imagine because she's worked so hard. She's done so she's done so much like so much hard work to get to where she was before she got fired. And like I was actually proud of Lana. Like Lana had made so many strides to actually being a good a good worker and a good superstar. Um, it's it was it's just a shame that she, you know, got cut halfway through. I agree. I agree. And and one thing you you realize when you're listening to this interview is CJ Perry, aka Lana, real name CJ Perry, she's someone who is actually very passionate about the business, which for the longest time, like like you would hear idiots on Twitter say things like, Oh, she's basically the next Eva Marie, she can't wrestle, you know, she's uh she's an okay promo or whatever. Like, first of all, 
Lana as a talent, as the draw Lana, Lana is worth a thousand Eva Marie's, to quote Sami Zayn. Um, so, so like, let's put that to bed. She's much more talented, I believe, on the on the mic than Eva Marie. She's honestly probably one of the more talented promos in WWE. Just look at some of the stuff that she did with Rusev when she was managing Rusev and she was the ravishing Russian Lana. Like, she did amazing work there. I never thought they should have broken her and Rusev up in the storyline. That it was. It was it really led to the downfall for both of them, I believe. And look, she she was dealt with the she played the card she was dealt. Right. She they told her, go out, get be get better at wrestling. We want to push you a little bit as a wrestler. She did that and she got good. She yep. was she perfect? No, but she was getting better. And you could see that she was legitimately trying. There's videos of Daniel Bryan working with her. Like like Daniel Bryan is someone like who if you're at he's if you're going to anyone to get help to get better at wrestling and you go to Daniel Bryan that shows that you are actually trying to get better and learn because Daniel Bryan is an amazing teacher and there's no and there's almost nobody who's more passionate about pro wrestling right now than Daniel Bryan. So the fact that she would reach out to him for help that she has gotten, you know, been working apparently out in the at the performance center like almost every day it shows you that this was someone and this is someone who I think is still going to be valuable for any company that gets her, uh, right. you know, whether it's she goes to AEW and kind of rekindles that that flame with her husband Miro and does a little bit of work there, whether it's, you know, going somewhere else like NWA or Ring of Honor or or or. or impact she lives in they live in nashville her and miro they live in nashville so it could be a perfect fit there because they that's where they shoot their tv show so there's a lot i think down the line that lana can do and as far as a no-cut contract i think look i think everyone should have a no-cut contract in pro wrestling i think that, that's I, or, or most people if, if you're like if, if you're a full-time wrestler and you're a full-time roster member and you're exclusive you should probably have a no-cut contract they, the the company should be willing to put that much investment in you. So I agree with her, but I also agree that everyone else should have it. So I hope she can come to a consensus on somebody in that. Um, but as far as her comments about WWE, to touch on that a little bit, and her comments specifically on the the atmosphere, the working atmosphere, she talked about how the reason she had to stay for like 16 hours in one day to shoot a five-minute segment was because Vince would literally change the script last minute and he would keep on changing and doing edits. And while they're still there, oh, let's do another edit and reshoot everything. I think she kind of revealed that, especially in the pandemic era, where they're doing a live show and then some recorded shows, that that Vince McMahon and probably Kevin Dunn, when they had that opportunity to really go in there and produce a little extra, uh, they had that time to like, to record things and like move things around, maybe reshoot things. They were working their wrestlers to the bone in the middle of this yeah. pandemic. And look, I'm again, they are they are signed to the company. That they they're not doing house shows. That that is what it is. Does it seem unnecessary though for Lana to be there for 16 hours or whatever or all day to shoot one segment on a taped show? I don't think that seems uh, you know, I don't think that's a good use of anyone's time, but oh, I digress. No. I, I, I think it did shed a light on that because we know that Kevin Dunn is someone who likes to control like 
the sound. He is apparently a huge fan, by the way, of the Thunderdome. Kevin Dunn loves the Thunderdome because he gets to control the crowd noise. He gets to control everything. Really produce the show that he's always wanted to produce. Um, you know, he doesn't have to turn down the fan <laughs> like chants right. when they say Roman sucks or whatever. He doesn't have to turn that down anymore. But I thought that was an interesting revelation a little bit of just how things work during the pandemic and how like there was a little more there was a little more I guess control from Vince especially as she mentioned uh, during the pandemic and rewriting stuff. Absolutely, I mean, it's you could tell you could tell that they were working hard though. Like I mean, just 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 imagine like you're not working in front of fans anymore. You're you know right at the moment you're doing this in a in an empty house when you're used to having fans around. That's that can't be easy. To perform and pander to no one. The only people you're pandering to are on TV, and you can't see how it's going through. So, you know what I mean? So you don't know if you're if you're actually hitting your mark or missing completely. So it it's gotta be one of those things that's just really difficult to do. And like, you know, I give all the all the talent that was able to do it all the credit in the world. Agreed. Agreed. I and look, CJ Perry, we wish you the best as well. Cannot wait to see that's what good. you do next. Um, so let's see. What's next, Trevor? Let's talk about, actually, if you guys are still watching, be sure to like, share, I hope subscribe. You're still I hope people, people are still watching, by the way. Thank you, uh, T. Higgins. <laughs> uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, hit the, hit the live chat for any uh, questions, comments, concerns you might have. Let's move on, Trevor, and talk about the game, Triple H. The game. Uh, hold up. Got to send. We have a guest on. I have to communicate with him real quick. Oh, take that. This is this is amazing TV. Amazing, amazing show right here. Me, me texting on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, uh, I'm really... <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's. Sorry about that. I that that is like the biggest thing I've learned not to do on YouTube. Do not look at your phone. But I it could not be avoided in this situation. I'm sorry probably actually should do that on my computer from now on lesson learned let's talk about triple h because triple h this week came out and defended wwe for their recent budget cuts budget. so wwe as you and i have talked about for a long time has been doing budget cuts since apparently the pandemic began triple h who serves as the executive vice president of global talent strategy and development and the coo of wwe has now commented on these budget cuts, saying that every company across the world is currently looking at ways to cut costs in the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic. Speaking to the New York Post, he said specifically, quote, coming out of COVID and a pandemic and everything else, all companies have to make difficult decisions. We're no different. Quote, it's part of what we do and it happens on a regular basis. That part's true. <laughs> um, all companies That's have fair. to do it. It's not the most pleasant part of what you do. It is what it is. Trevor, does Triple H have a point here? Or is this just tone deaf considering the realities of WWE and the realities of the finances of WWE right now? I would say in a normal company during a pandemic, he's not wrong, right? This makes sense. Like, because a lot of, you see it in a lot of different other industries where, like, they um, they didn't make money over the pandemic, so they had to make budget cups. Actually, the bar I work at had to make budget cuts. 
at one point we only had a few people working at once because we had to make budget cuts so with that like it makes sense because it takes money to pay people it takes money to keep it open and if you're not really making much money you can't keep people and you can't keep it open so that makes sense but with wwe having the biggest financial year they've had and since the company has been around I call bullshit on the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love the build. That was an amazing build. Continue, please, my friend. Um, I I call I call baloney on the whole situation. Like, I mean, it it, it might be it, he might honestly believe that that's part of it. Like, honestly, that I mean, and he might honestly be trying to feed the public that's what it is so we'll st- people like us and other youtubers that or, or uh po- podcasters that say have something to say about it we'll stop talking about it but the thing is your average wrestling fan is not dumb we know what's going on you know what i mean like if, if you read you read the financial statistics and everything that's happened this year you know it's one of your biggest financial uh, you know come-ups so you're really going to tell me that you're making the, these budget cuts because you're losing money. Where? Like, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I, I believe that you're losing ratings with Raw. Yeah. And you might have problems with some of your, you know, some, maybe some sponsors on USA, whatever. But you're going to sit there and honestly tell us that you make this, this is what happens. All companies have to do, sir. I, I, I have to respectfully call bullshit on this situation. <laughs> oh, I look you, you you were beautiful in your presentation there that was amazing I just wanted to, I was want to make sure I say that that was amazing I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to another level oh I know not you won't let him have not it. only is it bullshit it shows exactly why Triple H when he takes over for Vince McMahon eventually because he's the heir apparent he's gonna run things no differently I think than Vince McMahon as far as WWE the company WWE the company is still going to be this corporate machine the look the wrestling product might be better i i, I genuinely believe that but it's yeah, still going to be this corporate machine because triple h he's towing the company line so much like everyone thinks triple h is going to be this 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 savior coming in on a white horse and and saving the day when vince McMahon eventually retires or whatever everyone thinks that triple h is going to be this great thing for for wrestlers and the wrestling business and i'm not saying that as a booker he won't be but as the chairman as the boss as the the corporate ceo so coo whatever he's going to be He's not going to be much different. He's going to operate very similarly. And these comments specifically show you exactly why. This is very tone deaf. This is the epitome. If you look up uh, the, the term tone deaf in, in whatever encyclopedia, whatever dictionary you want, there's a picture of Triple H and a bubble popping out of him saying exactly this right now about WWE. The most profitable year in the history. The the. 50-plus year history of world wrestling entertainment. And he's justifying this as, oh, well, uh, you know, in the pandemic, uh, we had to make some budget cuts. Uh, like, cry me a fucking river, try. Right. Cry me a fucking river. There's, you made, they made more money. Look at this. House shows. They completely cut out house shows. They actually saved a lot of money because guess what, Trevor? 
before the pandemic, their house shows weren't drawing shit. They were not drawing well in their house shows. So there's no traveling costs. They cut departments, entire departments. And you and hey, hey, look at that. What what happens when you cut entire departments, Trevor? You're not paying people. You're not paying extra people. You don't have the infrastructure built up that you already that you needed before because you're not on the road. You're not doing as much live TV. You're not. You don't need as many producers. It's a very it's a very like broken down like you know like small operation you're running now. What are your operating costs? Virtually nothing compared to what they were before. Absolutely. You make you just had a billion dollar deal with Peacock. You have a multi hundreds of millions of dollar deal with with USA. You have hundreds of millions of dollars coming in from Fox. You have hundreds of millions of dollars coming in from the Saudi government. You have all of these streams of revenue. And on top of that, you got Snickers, the honey mustard Martin Dew pre-show. You got all of this stuff. And you're telling me that the WWE is is Oh my God, we're doing so bad that we need to cut everything. We need to, we you need to, we need toys, to the t-shirts, the, the DVDs, all, video games. Like, come on. You're telling me that, oh, well, uh, you know, we're really suffering here. Anyone, anyone who pays a little attention can see that that is bullshit. And the fact that, look, the fact that they are able to say this and it can be a legitimate answer legitimately scares me. Right. Whoever he was doing that interview with, I'm surprised they didn't push him on that. Like, this is literally the most profitable year your company has ever had. How? How can you, how can you, how can this be an answer to this question, knowing what we know about this company? Oh, on top of all of that, on top of all of that, oh, well, uh, we also, I got, also got a raise this year, and Triple H didn't mention that. He didn't mention the fact that he got a raise. He didn't mention that Nick Khan came out of nowhere and got paid $13 million last exactly. year. Didn't mention that Kevin Dunn's salary went up. Didn't mention that Vince McMahon's salary went up. Didn't mention that Shane McMahon got paid $800,000 just, not not including his like staff fee, just as a wrestler for 2020. Not mentioning that. It's... Triple H, fuck off. I'm sorry. I, I don't like like look, there's I'm sure Paul Levesque is a wonderful human being. Yeah, and I have sit no down real and, will but, toward the But no, him. no, no, for these comments, fuck off. Yeah, that is dumb. But I mean, you so you're gonna tell me that you're 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 making these budget cuts for a reason, whatever, blah blah blah. So pretty much what you're saying is that you're not going to be able to eat the fresh caviar today <laughs> as opposed to the ca- the other caviar that's not what fresh. What do you mean fresh caviar? <laughs> Vince is back there eating the entire ocean. He's got all the money in the world. He's exactly. That's what I'm he's saying. A, like, he's a you're really telling again. me this? Like, cry me a fucking... Like, dude, come on. Dude, you literally wake up in the morning and have more money than I, than I ever will. Like, and you're whining and complaining and talking about you're like, this is... This is a terrible. We have to do this. A bunch of companies. Our company's not doing this. Blah, 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 blah. How about you stay your ass in indoors and drive yourself around? How about that? If there's a budget cut, if you need budget cuts, do that. No chauffeurs. Like, I <laughs> you know what? I would have respected him more if he had just said something a little closer to the truth. There's even there's like a little bit of there, there's a PR way of saying that we're restructuring the company and this and these are how the cards fell. It's not great, but that's but yeah. Have say a little. That. Say that. Don't try to legitimize these bullshit budget cuts because they are bullshit. And you know it. Because he knows it's bullshit. And you know how I know it's bullshit? 
the super some of the superstars that they fired, they rehired almost immediately. Look at someone like Rockstar Spud. Uh, what's his name? Drake Maverick. Oh, they, like, they rehired they, him? They rehired Remember, he got cut in 2020. Oh, that's right. They had that that's whole right. thing that on they Twitter he came out yeah, with the yeah. video and he got rehired almost immediately. Oh, so I, so I, so I, I guess that wasn't, I guess that wasn't so necessary, was it? Oh, we're really doing, uh, we're not doing so well here. Uh, they, I don't know, Samoa Joe, some money literally back, back after a month. No bullshit, bullshit. They found money in their back pocket. That's what it was. Yeah, I Nick like it was just it was apparently just falling out of Nick Khan's pocket. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nick God, Khan is I'm laughing all the Nick Khan is sad all the way to the bank. Oh, we had to lose these wrestlers. Oh my God, can I get that BMW? Thank you. Like, come on, dude. BMW, <laughs> my man. My man's got a solid gold Maserati at this point. Like, damn. Probably has it's... a solid gold. Nah, I'm not gonna say that. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like Mr. Powers. I like gold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't like Nick Khan, but on, I'm done. <laughs> on that note, we're going to move on. Because <laughs> when we start talking about gold members, I think, it's, I think it's time to move on. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but but, but, anyway, fuck, but fuck WWE yeah, for fuck that. that. that um, big fuck you to WWE and big fuck you to Vince McMahon for this. <laughs> Again, we try, I try to find positive things, man. I try to find positive things. You try. Things. You try not, hard. There's really not. <laughs> Uh, so, apparently, Vince, to no one's surprise, Vince McMahon hates tag teams. Let's talk about it. The former Tucker uh, from Heavy Machinery, who was released last year, believes that Vince McMahon does not feel that the tag team division can draw. Um, Heavy, uh, Tucker was most notably released last year after his partner Otis won Money in the Bank. Um and he said, quote, just based on my thought, to me, I feel like Vince doesn't like the tag team division, doesn't think he can draw money. At least that seems to be the way that they're booked. Even even when they're super emotional, when they're super emotional storyline, they might get 20 minutes at most. They're never going to get 40 minutes. They're never going on last. So this brings up an interesting point, Trevor, because it's been reported on and off for years that Vince doesn't think tag teams can draw. Vince doesn't like tag teams. Vince gives up on tag teams very easily. FTR yep. have mentioned this most no yep. most notably in their departure from WWE. And I think this is an important thing for us to touch on. So what do you think about this? Does WWE, specifically Vince McMahon, not care about tag teams? I actually, um, the fact that you, you said one of the things I was going to say about FTR um, we are y'all. We all know what happened to FTR. Like, I mean, and it goes. And to me, it goes back further than that. Like, it goes back with the demolition guys. Like, um, guys, even with uh, the Legion of Doom. Like, you you have all the uh, the 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 brainbusters, Tully and uh, Arn Anderson. Like, you have the these guys, these talented teams that you don't push like that. And um. And, and Vince brings, I mean, Tucker brings up a very valid point. Name the last time you saw a tag team closing the show. I mean, it, it's been a long time, a very long time. Legitimately, like the, the last one I remember. Like, like, like no like no like 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 i'm not even we're, i don't think we're, we're not even talking about like you know uh like a tag team matchup of like you know like all like you know different opponents like singles opponents put together right we're talking, we're talking about actual tag teams like compete like who are in the tag team division i don't think it's happened since like the smackdown six era legitimately i can't remember uh, the, if someone, if someone knows is, let me know 
the only one that I can, and this is probably, this is probably dated. This is probably not totally true, but the only one that I remember was that can actively remember. And it was only because it was so much controversy around it was the heart foundation versus um, the, the rockers. And it was, and it, and, and it was, a, I want to say it was a house shot. I think it was a house. Show. I'm not sure, but it, it may have been on TV, well, but well, they I won. Mean, Sorry, just to interrupt you. One I do remember is on SmackDown. Remember they had that TLC match on SmackDown, which a lot of people are calling like you know one of the best matches in in like SmackDown history, where Benoit and who was it? Benoit and someone else won the tag titles in TLC. Now, were they an actual team though? They no, no, yeah, because this was for the tag team titles, and and okay. it was a and it was a TLC match. The Hardys were in it, like like okay. this was it's a big time okay. match. But so yeah, so happen. I don't I don't remember that one. No, 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 I, I didn't remember that. So scratch what I was about to say, but um. But yeah, the only one, that one that I remember was that one. And like I said, I do remember it because it was so much controversy, the Rockers versus Heart Foundation. But I didn't remember the one with the, but who was Batman tagging with at the time? I was. Was it a member of the the Radical? Was it the Rascals, the New Radicals? It wasn't, it must, it might've been Perry Saturn. I don't, I don't remember specifically right now, but I mean. Just going back to the whole conversation about, you know, Vince doesn't think tag teams can draw. Like, look at the way they've treated the tag team titles yeah. recently. Like, literally, I mean, when, when, I'm sorry, just, just I, I will let you finish. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. This is me agreeing but, with him, actually. But, no, but, I'm, I'm, yeah. but literally, the you want to you know how, how much WWE cares about the tag team titles? They literally switch the belts. That's yep. like how you know they don't care. They switch the belts. Like like when 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 teams got drafted or on back that they had a segment where the teams just literally switched the belts. I think it was New Day and it was Cesaro New Day and, and uh, Sheamus. Street, no, it's the Street Profits. Or the Street Profits. Yeah, yeah. So they just switched the belts. Raw like it, they don't care. They don't care. Like that's why the teams are never going on last. That's why they never get time for great tag team matches. Like look at some a company like AEW. The the main event of the show we're gonna preview in hopefully a few minutes, um, Road Rager is literally a tag, tag team, team match for the tag team world tag team titles, and it's a legitimate main event draw because because you know why? Because the Young Bucks are over, because Eddie Kingston and Penta are over. No, but I don't. I don't think there's really anyone in the WWE tag team division that's legitimately over as a main event draw, other than the New Day. I mean, the Street Profits were over for a little bit, but um, not, no, but not to an extent. Like not, for a tag not, for a tag team in WWE, yeah. But like the only like, come, like are they Street Profits? Are they headlining? Should they headline a pay per view? When they when they first came from NXT, yes, but they made them into a joke. They looks like they do all most of the talent. They're having eating contests with the with the Viking Raiders and like dance. Oh, yeah, dude. The, the, the street profits legit they became a parody of of their parody. They became a parody of private party. Like uh, to <laughs> a point. Of, of a team that was basically them. Like I like I don't yeah. know which one came first, but they became a parody of themselves, which is crazy they, to they me. It actually kind of reminded me of a lot of uh crime time for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, again, just going back to Vince McMahon and tag teams, just, like, it's never happening. Like, as no. long as Vince McMahon, I think, is going to be running WWE, I don't think you're going to see a lot of good tag team wrestling because he doesn't believe in it. He legitimately— the not built around it. it, it and, and he doesn't want it to be built around no. it because he doesn't think they can draw, even though and everywhere else it's been proven that if you build the team up, 
It can happen. You just have to be committed. But WWE doesn't have the attention span for it. They don't have the patience to stick with a tag team without splitting them up in six months. I mean, like, like we just we just went down. Like, listen to the names we mentioned in tag team. Like, they had good tag teams, and they they didn't work there. And what happened? They went to other companies and became bigger stars. You know what we we you know what we forgot? NXT. NXT did have a tag team main event and a they great sure tag did. team. The the Authors of Pain versus yep. versus um Gargano and Champa versus FTR at the time for the tag team titles at an NXT pay-per-view. That that actually did headline the pay-per-view. Right. Got a lot of time and guess what, Trevor? It was one of the best oh. matches of the year. It was <laughs> You can't Tag team matches can be great. Tag team matches can be amazing, but you have to, one, want them to. You have to put time into developing your teams. You have to not put them together just because, ooh, it sounds good. Oh, they look spooky. No, you have to make sure it's an actual team. Like, some of the teams they put together are absolutely fucking stupid. Like, like, like I love your boy Gable, and I love uh, what's oh. his- I, I love don't, them together. Oh, I don't like Shorty G though. I don't like Shorty G. I like that game. I don't like Shorty G. I hate G. Shorty G. I hate the name Shorty G. But I I don't mind the tag team he's in right now. But even though we before we've talked about him and um Kurt Angle's illegitimate son, and that hurt me to say. Um <laughs> but their tag team was great. Their, their tag team was amazing. But you know, again, is is that whole thing. They don't develop teams. They, the company's not built around it. And hell, they let FTR go. That fucking storyline of all the people to be Kurt Angle's son. Oh, like, God. Was it, was, was it not obvious? Okay. N- never mind. We're not going to touch that right now. We'll, we'll do that in an overtime one day on Patreon. Oh, By the way, man. if you want that to happen, patreon.com forward slash real take sports because we're going to start doing overtimes eventually. Anyway, let's continue with this. Actually, let's take a look at the chat because we have some chats. Uh, T. Higgins says, when you have pretty much the highest budget ever uh, and didn't make budget cuts before when you made less money. Yeah, yeah, agreed. They're agreed. they're really suffering after canceling WWE 2K21. <laughs> I think they saved money on that too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and then my boy Liam, the Gradomania running wild here. Grado oh, isn't it. He says Grado isn't in a tag team. So dot dot dot. Vince, you should like him. <laughs> And then um, Liam says something. Do you remember the Vince uh, limo exploding storyline? Yes, unfortunately. This week in wrestling history, later this summer, my friend. Oh, wait, did that? Fuck, it already happened. It happened already, yeah. It happened already. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that at some point, though. I promise you. That is we, like a, we got some stuff to talk about, though. Oh, that is, that <laughs> is just... That, Oh, so much there. Uh, Juggernaut097, by the way, who's going to be joining us later on. I'm sorry, by the way. We are running the, uh, later than I told you, but we'll get to you eventually, Juggernaut. Speaking of tag teams, they just had a top 50 tag teams on Peacock. Oh, by the way, did you hear about this list that WWE came out with? I'm, I'm, we, we might, I'm, I'm going to scrap the next segment and just talk about this list, but we don't need to talk about WWE's lawsuits. We'll talk about that. I'll talk about that in a different video. But I'm fine. Let's, let's get to it then. <laughs> did, did you see this list that WWE came out with of, of greatest tag teams of all time? Yeah. This was some bullshit. It was like, it was like the, the, the best tag teams. I forgot of, who was number one. It was shitty, though. It was New Day. It was New Day. They had New Day number one. And you know who wasn't on this list of greatest tag teams in WWE history? 
Demolition. Demolition. How is yeah. Demolition not on the? Mm. Uh, is it W rewriting history? WWE <laughs> rewriting history for no reason. How am I supposed to be a fan of that? Anyway. <sighs> we can't we can't sp I can't even spend any more time complaining about WWE. I will have an aneurysm life on this show. Like it yes, is not yes, it is not pretty. I am I'm I'm trying to be nice too. This is my nice face for this WWE. Uh, anyway, Trevor, let's get to our AEW section before yes. Juggernaut gets mad at me. Let's get to it. AEW Road Rage. Ah, I'm going to do that again. AEW Road Rager will be live Wednesday, June 7th on TNT. This is AEW's big show where they're going to be returning to uh, live audience in front of fans outside of Jacksonville. It's going to be live from Miami, Florida. They've got a huge show with, guess who, a tag team main eventing the show. Uh, it's going to be action-packed. You're going to see Jake Hager and the Inner Circle in action against members of the Pinnacle. Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in a strap match. MJF and Jericho having a face-to-face -face parlay. And also, we're also going to have the debut of Andrade El Idolo in AEW. A lot to talk about here. Trevor, give me your just preview, your initial thoughts on this card and this event that AEW is doing. It's a, uh, it's it's loaded. It's very low, very loaded card, which at this point is pretty much the mo. Um, it's great to see him back on the road. It's great to see their first show. This you know this star studded. I I can't wait for it. And and as hell making this a something you can actually see without paying for you know what i mean that, that, that's so smart oh yeah Marketing and, things, honestly oh dude and aews they're, they're gonna be on a on a tear of special shows at the week after next week they're gonna have uh fighter fest and then fighter fest part two the week after and then they're gonna oh, so fighter fest is coming up after this literally the week oh, you know, wow. one one week from today and then you got fighter fest part two the next week and then you got fight for the fallen and then they got aew homecoming and then like very shortly after that they're gonna do rampage's debut aew is gonna in the next few weeks is gonna have a lot of big main event level shows i think they're gonna have the live crowds gonna make up for i think for the the lack of i guess crowds in and and you know excitement during the pandemic i can't wait to see it Let's talk about this card, though. First, let's talk about Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz versus FTR and Wardlow. A little bit of a, a tag, mixed tag team, or sorry, three-man, six-man tag team match, rather. What do you think about this match, and what do you think might happen? I think it's, you know what, I love how they're continuing the, uh, the, 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 the feud between the two. I love, and I also like how, um, how Conan is on their side, too. I love that. Um, it was good to see him on TV after so long. Um, but yeah, man, I, th I think it's gonna be an amazing match. The Pinnacle and Inner Circle have great matches, have been had some great matches so far. A few botches here and there, but they work well together. You know, glad to see it. I think it's gonna be a good one. I think so too. I think uh, what I'm excited to see is kind of like the fallout between what happened with the FTR and uh, Conan and yeah, Tully Blanchard, yeah, yeah. that whole segment. I thought that was a money segment. By the way, Conan and Tully Blanchard cutting promos in 2021 better than like half who, of WWE. Most of WWE. Who thought we'd see it though? You know, who thought we'd see something? Like and it was great. Conan was amazing in that promo, by the way. He was. Shout out to Conan. Conan is money. Just give him a mic. Give him a podcast. Give him something. He's money on the mic. Um, great build for this match as well. I, for my prediction, I think they're gonna put over FTR and Wardlow. 
uh, yeah, kind of keep building these heels, and they're gonna probably cheat to win. But it's gonna be a fun match. Like there's so much, so many great like matchups within this match that I'm excited to see. Yeah, I agree with you. Cool. Let's move on and talk about this mixed tag team match: Orange Cassidy versus Chris. Sta- or sorry, Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus the Blade and the Bunny. Um, so last week, Chris Statlander took on the Bunny, and after the match. The Blade actually took some brass knucks and knocked out Orange Cassidy cold. And so this has led to this match. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of fire out of Orange Cassidy when he gets his hands on the Blade here. What are your thoughts on this match? Another another good match. And guess what? (laughs) Have you noticed most of this card is tag team matches? (laughs) Um. (laughs) <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I think it's gonna be another another good one. Again, Butcher Orange Cassidy uh, as the is this a blade, right? Blade and Orange Cassidy blade. um together are, are money. They I've seen them wrestle before. Great match, great chemistry. Both are great athletes, and it's great to see Statlander back. Um, I, I I love the bunny too. I, I the the women's division is so stacked. I love it. It's amazing. Huge, huge ups to Chris Statlander and the Bunny for that match they had last week. Oh, um, amazing. Saturday Night Dynamite, that was great. I remember I was marking out to it live right here on the on the channel. Uh, if you want to go back and watch that, um, but it was it was an amazing matchup. I thought that they have great chemistry. And Chris Statlander, look, I I said it before. I'll say it again. If she didn't get injured last year, she would have been the women's champion, but women's world champion by now. Yeah, I think that's what like, they were trying to push her. And that's where so. she's going to go eventually. And I like the fact that she's teamed up with Orange Cassidy. These are like two main eventers, and the Blade and Bunny are going to benefit from being with them. At the end of the day, I'm gonna, I I'm rooting for Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, and I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna send the fans home happy with this one. Yeah, that, that's who I'm uh, looking forward to win. But who knows? You know, who knows? Yep. Let's uh, keep it going. Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in a strap match. This is going to be the culmination, I guess, of their feud that's been going on for the past few months now. The Factory and the American, well, what is it? The the Nightmare Factory, rather. Factory. Yep. So this is their, I guess, the big culmination in their feud. Uh, worth to note, QT Marshall has already lost to Cody Rhodes once at Blood and Guts. So... It's going to be interesting to see when this strap match. QT Marshall laid out the challenge. We're probably going to see some some members of the factory and the Nightmare Factory be uh, involved in this match in some way. But I oh, like the Nightmare fact- Family, by the way. Nightmare Family, rather. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Um, but yeah, it's. I think this is going to be good. I like the strap match. It reminds me of like you know old 1970s, 1980s. You know Southern wrestling. The right. strap matches back then were great. Uh, go look those up, but I and if there's anyone who's going to have a great trap match, you would think it would be Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. They're very old school individuals. Uh, yep. What do you think about this match? Again, I, I agree with what you said. A great old school feel. I don't believe I've actually seen a strap match in a very long time. Actually, I was trying to think about that earlier when I found out this match was happening. I don't believe I've seen one in a while, but um. It, it's good to see them bring back old, you know, uh, uh, old school tropes. And I believe you have the two of the best people to actually do it. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be entertaining. They seem to have good chemistry as well. So it could be a good match. I think QT wins this one, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm actually rooting for QT because 
Cody's getting a bit of that Triple H vibe. And I'm and look, I don't I'm not trying to get heat on like on Cody, but you know, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I want to see Cody taking down a notch. I like Cody, but I want to see him taking down a notch. Although when he's in front of the live fans and those fans go wild in Miami, I might just be like, yeah, fuck that, Cody. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Who knows? I, 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 I'm a very emotional being, per human being. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this next match. Andrade El Idolo making his AEW debut Against Matt Seidel, we've seen Andrade interrupt Matt Seidel in his entrance, his matches. This has led to this matchup between these two. Matt Seidel is one of the best high flyers in the world. Andrade is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Vicky Guerrero is one of the most heat magnet <laughs> managers in the entire she walks business. Into the ring, automatically heat. <laughs> and this, uh, this is you put all this together, sugar, spice, and everything nice. This is a recipe. For a fun match, the excitement of Andrade's debut. Trevor, what are you looking forward to in this match? I'm looking forward um, to Andrade shining. And I, and honestly, who else to put him over, you know, than Matt Seidel? Like, I honestly think this is, I, I think they're going to put um, put him over, Andrade over. I think Seidel is going to put him over. Um, I think it's gonna you're going to see a lot of hot flying from Seidel. And don't get me wrong, Andrade can do it if he wants to, too. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of high risk. I think you're going to see a lot of technique. It's going to be a lot of fun. Andrade wins. Yeah. Um. So for me, I I I think yeah, it's it's a no brainer. Andrade wins, right? But I also think that if there's any match for AEW to pull out all the stops for, to just let them have like a you know a 20 minute long just belter of a match and and let Andrade do everything in his arsenal and showcase it. I think you do it here because Andrade really didn't have that opportunity when he was on the main roster in WWE. He did it while he was on NXT. He had a great match, I believe, with Johnny Gargano, but mm -hmm. he was never able to do it on the main roster. I think this is on a national stage in un and and you know uninterrupted. Like there's no NBA playoff game tomorrow night or on Wednesday night. There is a lot of like there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this. And if you want and you want to take advantage of this here AEW. You put Andrade over, you put, but you do it in one hell of a match, much like they did with Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega. Andrade wins, but I can't wait to see this match. Oh, it's gonna be fun, a lot of fun. Ah, we, we like to have fun on Friday nights, Michael. <laughs> um, last but certainly not least, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, will be taking on the team of Eddie Kingston and Penta in a street fight for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. They are Penta and Eddie Kingston won the Eliminator match to receive this championship match. And they're going on last. This is going to be a street fight. And you know, Eddie Kingston in a street fight. It's going to be entertaining. Trevor, this is this is gonna be great, right? This is gonna be a great match. It is. Um again, I hate that he makes me like him. But <laughs> I'm becoming a fan of Eddie Kingston more and more. But from the work I see him with uh, on uh, AEW, and I love him and, and Penta together. I do. I absolutely love them together. Um, you know what? I'm gonna say something that you might find a little crazy. Oh, go for I it. Think, I think Eddie and Penta win. Oh, you think they're gonna take the belts off of Matt and Nick Jackson <laughs> now? It, but explain, see, explain yourself. But see, explain that's, yourself. But see, that's the thing, though. Here, here's the thing, like. You want to keep heat on Matt and Nick Jackson, so you don't yeah. really want to take the belts off them. But 
the way they set it up, if you if you think of old old wrestling tropes, putting them, making them win an eliminator, putting them in this in this scenario, they win. But it's is not 19, 1994. It's not something that, that you can really tell anymore. And people are loving he, heel heel bucks. But something, I don't know. Some I I, I think it could happen. I'm not gonna say it will. I, I think it could happen. You gotta do a prediction here now. I'm putting you on the spot. Do a prediction. Uh, fuck it. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Fuck it. I'll say yes. I'll say uh, the Bucks lose it, even though I, my gut says I'm wrong. But I'll, I'll you, you have me on live YouTube saying that I believe my prediction is going to be wrong. But I'm gonna go with this one. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, go. Yeah, shades of shades of El Jefe over here from WrestleMania 37 saying <laughs> Daniel Bryan's gonna win, um, <laughs> but knowing full well he wasn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm going with a mutton chop bucks. Like this is uh, yeah. like it's gonna be a fun fight, street fight. And look, if Eddie Kingston and Penta win, I'll mark out. It'll be great. I'm excited again. Excited believe- for all outcomes. Who would have thought that in an AEW event? I know, oh. right? This going to be great. This going to be so yeah. fun. Yep. Be sure to check that out Wednesday night. But for those of you who are watching the preview, it's going to be tonight on TNT at 8 p.m. Because um, the preview is going to go – it's going gonna, gonna to air it tomorrow. So it'll – so people who watch the clip version, they'll see it um, the same day. So that may, that'll make sense to anyone who who who's not watching this right now. No, no one else. By the way, uh, be sure to subscribe <laughs> to the channel if you haven't already. Um, let's talk very quickly now about this. I thought this was very interesting, Trevor. Before we move on, let's talk about this. A uh, Shaq wants to wrestle Paul White, aka the Big Show. The big match between Shaq and Paul White has been rumored for years now, with the duo reportedly very close to doing a match in, in WWE. But at the time, there were injury concerns, contract concerns with Shaq. That never ended up happening. Shaq told popculture.com this week that, quote, I hear Paul White is still trash talking, so I'm going to work out really hard this summer. And maybe we can do something really, really soon. He went on to say there shouldn't be any problems for us getting together now. Last time there was a lot of uh, bureaucracy and red tape. Now there's no red tape. So, look, we saw Shaq make his AEW in-ring debut in a match against Cody Rhodes. uh, In a tag team match against Cody Rhodes. He took a great bump there. A lot of people thought he did much better than, than expected. What do you think about this this matchup in 2021 of Shaq and Paul White? You know, I remember hearing the rumors for this match years ago. I think everyone does. Um, and I, I thought it would have been funny, to, interesting, entertaining to see then. And you know what? Now that Paul White is probably in some of the best health and in, in physical condition he's been in in years, and Shaq is just Shaq, I think it might be entertaining to see, honestly. I think it might be very entertaining to see two two big behemoths go at it like that. Um, is it is it past its prime? It could be, but it might be a lot of fun to see too. So who, who knows? I think this is going to be great. Look, look. If anyone's asking, like, like obviously the the peak time for this match to happen would have been like you know uh, anywhere between two thousand and ten to two thousand and like seventeen, right? Like, yeah. like that window of time probably would have been the best time for this to happen. It didn't. 
and we can't control that. But look, Shaq is still a huge star. He's got that TNT, that TBS, that Time Warner um, um, umbrella. He's under that umbrella with with the NBA on TNT. You know, Paul White now is in AEW. The Shaq has shown that even in his age, he can go, he can wrestle. Look at that. Look at that. That's Shaq right there. Uh, he can still go. If he works out hard, he might not have to wear a tank top. A Big Show, we know what he can do. This is going to be still. I'm going to put money on this. In 2021, Paul White versus Shaq, if it happens, is going to be a money match regardless. You know why? It's still going to be entertaining. You know why, though? Because Shaq's clout that he's going to bring is going to be the same. People are going to be like, oh, Shaq's wrestling? It and, actually like, might be even more. And, and, and then they're going to be like, oh, wait, who's he wrestling? Oh, the, Paul White, that, that, the big show? Like, like the, he's still wrestling? And they're going to check this out. And then when they see what Paul White can still do, because like you said, he's in amazing shape. When they find out what Shaq can do, he's take out here taking table bumps and whatnot. It's going to draw people in. You know, so yeah. if you want to do it at All Out and, and have a big draw for that, you want to do it at full gear. Have a yeah. big draw for that. It'll work. So I'm excited for it. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though, the way uh, Shaq kind of put it. He's like, you know, there used to be bureaucratic red tape. And it was kind of like a little bit of a shot at WWE saying, like, maybe WWE was, like, hesitant to have this happen and, and not letting it happen. What do you think about that? I think he's right <laughs> to a degree, though. I mean, like, I guess it's one of those things that um, you wonder why it was there. But, like, I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, for instance, Shaq is a huge basketball star. And he was still playing ball at the time, wasn't he? Uh no 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 not in 2016. No, Shaq this retired... is Okay, okay. Shaq retired like, in 2012. The, so... the first the first time I remember hearing about it was I want to say it was a little earlier than that. That's why you know, but um, but yeah. So I mean, Shaq, you know, Shaq was uh was still a high commodity, and I guess at the time he hadn't really had any wrestling training, so I guess they didn't really want to want him to get hurt. Um, so that could have been part of it, but I don't know. I mean, now things are different. Shaq, we know Shaq has a little skill. Again, um, Big Show is in great health. So I, it, it's probably better that it happens somewhere like now where you can get get through all the bureaucratic uh, BS and red tape. But um, again, still excited for it, whatever happens. It's going to draw money. Do it, Tony Khan. Listen to me once again. Your bet, your, your your favorite inspiration for everything. Steal all my ideas anyway. Yeah, just do it, Tony. Just do it. I know I know you're listening. Just do it, and then I'll take credit for it on this podcast, like I always do. <laughs> um, what he he actually does steal all my ideas. It's like no bullshit. He steals all of my good ideas. Like doesn't take the bad ones. Doesn't take the bad ones, but he takes all the good ones. Uh, what is that? Is that brown people ESP? <laughs> just it's the, i i don't know man i don't know we got that tele telepathy going on yeah that one um so trevor here's what we're gonna do because we are running um because i don't want to keep juggernaut waiting too long i think what we'll do is after we go off the air we'll record maybe the two segments that we didn't do okay uh the aew segments and then we'll release those out so uh sorry that we won't get to those but you will see those out in the week uh later let's get to this last one and then we'll go to a quick break to bring juggernaut in and then we'll get to some of the latter part of our show you got it so impact wrestling trevor this was interesting to me oh sorry didn't forgot didn't do the right graphic for that who cares impact wrestling apparently drew its lowest rating in the axis tv era and damn is that scary trevor 
Yeah, the, it ju- is. <laughs> yeah, the July 1st edition of Impact Wrestling drew a record low rating of 69,000 viewers. Shit. This beat out the previous record low of 80, 78,000 from September 2020. The, the show's main event was Team Callis versus Team Dreamer, a match that featured Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers versus Tommy Dreamer, Sammy Callahan, and Moose. So great main event. Axis claims the, lo- the low viewership was caused by issues that the, of the TV Guide listing. The, apparently, people still look at TV Guide um, uh, because some... Some TV guy that had the Impact show uh, like written as something else, so that was a, that was a bit of a lame excuse, if you ask me. Do you what do you think about you know this low rating? What does this mean for Impact? Should they be worried? And how well, how does this reflect on Kenny Omega, who for them has been a big draw, but wasn't able to do it this week? Yeah, I mean that's that's something that you you should be concerned about, especially since. Uh, more people have been watching because of Kenny Omega. Um, but I believe in the heart of it is pretty much like ba- uh, hockey playoffs are going on, ba- basketball playoffs are going on. You know, I mean, it, that could be a big part of it. But we we act like TN- TNA has had a great uh, draw for the past couple of years anyway. I, I mean, we're all – anyone who is a fan of, of wrestling period is amazed that Impact still exists. But, I mean, let, let's just be real. Let, let's Let's just be honest. Like, and I mean, it's great that Kenny has been able to help save it, but I mean, this, I mean, does it scare me? Should they be worried? Yeah, they should be worried. They should, be, they should have been worried for 20 years now, but. It's a constant it's, state of anxiety for Impact Wrestling. <laughs> exactly. Every time the show goes on, whoo, like it's, it's kind of one of those things they should be worried about. But I mean, honestly, I, I, I do believe it's part of, the fact that the playoffs have been on and the hockey players have been amazing and so have the basketball players. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that, that 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 explains it way more than the bullshit TV guy thing that Access TV. I don't know why they didn't just say it was like the NBA. Like, no one wants to watch TNA compared to the NBA. It's fine. Like, like say that. It's true. The it's, TV guy fucked us over. It's ex- <laughs> what is that? That was it 1995. Like the TV guy. The TV guy fucked us. No, no. The NBA playoff fucked us over. The fact that no one wants to watch TNA compared to the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. That's what fucked you over. Just say it. Also, sixty nine thousand. Nice. That is like that's literally like, like more people showed up to WrestleMania two years ago than, <laughs> than than watch TNA on one night. Look, look. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know we give TNA some flack for their past, but they're still kicking. And yeah, I promise yeah. you, the sixty nine thousand nice viewers is not gonna hurt them. It might even help them. They might lose this TV contract with Access TV and pick up a TV contract with like Paramount. Uh, TV no or something you like they mean? might they're gonna end up this company is going to be alive for years to come I will say this am I afraid that Kenny Omega might not be the draw that he uh, should be for TNA no I'm not oh, you bitch I thought I was gonna say something else no. Um, no, no no it doesn't affect it at all Kenny Omega is still a draw the NBA playoffs right now are amazing because guess what the teams that everybody thought were not going to be in it still in it. are still in it and the teams that everybody thought were going to be in it like the clippers oh. and the lakers and the nets <laughs> are gone long gone so and the, the, the same so thing there's... Can be said with the nhl like you have a exactly. team coming up and yeah so exactly exactly so th- there's 
there's no need really to concern, like for concern rather for TNA. Impact will be just fine. Um, and as Juggernaut just mentioned in the chat, people watch Impact on Twitch as well. It could be DVR as well. Like, yeah. It's I mean, fine. let's just be honest. Impact Wrestling is are the Twinkies of wrestling. They're gonna be around. They're gonna be around long before we're all gone. Like, all, all no, don't don't give gone. them Twinkies. The, the, the NWA are the Twinkies of professional wrestling. Impact True. is like the 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 off brand green beans in a can. Of yes, that last forever. That you open they, 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 no, they you don't go. don't go away. They don't go away. <laughs> just still there. Yeah, yeah just, it's still there. But we are back here with juggernaut 097 am i saying that right like yes yeah you're saying that correctly yep exactly. all right juggernaut 097 uh justin bear baird is that baird yeah yeah justin yeah have you ever have you ever played the video game gears of war yeah uh, no oh he has he's, yeah. he's a nerd oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know they have that character they have that character named baird on there yeah so. oh yeah Baird, got you okay yeah. all right all right uh, well so uh, Justin is joining us from the Juggernaut Show. You can follow him at True JS at the True JSB on Twitter. You can also check out uh, the uh, Juggernaut. They do a lot of retro reviews. They do a lot of current day reviews um, of current like WWE product and, and AEW stuff as well. Uh, you can check them out at YouTube.com forward slash Juggernaut zero ninety seven. So yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, why don't you tell us just very quickly about, like, a little bit about, like, yourself and your channel. Yeah, so I mainly talk about wrestling on my channel. Like, um, I started up my channel, like, oh, man, it was probably about six years ago, maybe. And I've been talking about wrestling ever since. Well, first off, I started, I had a DVD collection. And I originally, you know, based my channel about DVDs and stuff. And then I got like, you know what, let me start doing this podcast because podcasting started becoming like really popular and stuff. Like everybody started doing it. And I got like, you know what, why not? I just started a podcast <laughs> and stuff. And also, you know, I also talk about football on my channel, you know, mm-hmm. big Chiefs fan right here. Okay. Chiefs oh, Kingdom, baby. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I'm a Ravens fan. I don't like that. Chiefs Kingdom, baby. <laughs> and... Yeah, I don't like it anyway. I'm a Cowboys fan, so it's cool. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody hates you. So. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody hates the Cowboys. So, yeah, I, I just love talking about sports and stuff, and you know, especially wrestling. You know, that's my main thing I talk about. Well, but. yeah. Well, that's a great thing, man, because we are, we are about to talk about some wrestling. Let's get into it, guys. So, Juggernaut, this is a segment we call This Week in Wrestling History, where we go over a huge event in wrestling history. And this week in wrestling history, Bash at the Beach. Oh, I messed. I should have added the graphic. See, see, I'm I'm out of my routine, Trevor. This is this is what happens when I'm out of my routine. It it is my fault, man. It's it's late. I've had a long. It's all your fault. (laughs) It wasn't my fault. Uh, Big shout out to to Gene Stinsky, by the way. Whatever you're doing, I hope you're happy and not kicking babies. Um, all right, let's. Might be happy kicking babies. No, he he seemed very happy kicking babies. Let's talk about it though. This week in wrestling history, Bash at the Beach, 1996. The landscape of wrestling at Bash at the Beach 1996 was very different. Wow, I, I managed to mess. I keep messing up. I keep messing up today. Okay. Trevor. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath, baby. One more time. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens on a live show. You just get, like, I, you just get, just get demolished after doing uh, uh, two hours of it. Let's keep it going, though. 
So, Bash at the Beach 1996. Guys, this was a historic pay-per-view event that happened 25 years ago today. Let's talk. Whatever. Bash at the Beach 1996. Bash at the Beach 1996 was a historic pay-per-view event that happened 25 years ago today. Guys, this is one of the biggest pay-per-view events in wrestling history. This marked the turn of Hulk Hogan to a heel. This marked the start of the NWO. This marked the beginning, the real beginning, many say, of the Monday Night Wars. Think about where the landscape of wrestling was at this point. You had WCW just coming off and starting Nitro. You had WWE really falling in a rut as far as house show attendance goes and you also had the 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 rise of ECW somewhat but it was a weird point in time for wrestling you know we we were used to seeing very white meat baby faces it was the product was really uh cut and dry there were good guys and bad guys and there really wasn't any nuance Enter Scott Hall and Kevin Nash into WCW. They jump ship, begin a storyline where they f- are are an invading force to take coming in to take over WCW. And when they came in, they attacked WW, WCW officials, wrestlers, destroyed sets, and made it known that at Bash at the Beach 1996, they would be introducing a third man, a partner who would help them in their quest and their takeover of World Championship Wrestling. This third man would also be their tag team partner in a six-way tag team match at the aforementioned Bats of the Beach pay-per-view event. At the event, Scott Hall made his way to the ring, as did Kevin Nash, but the third man did not. Was it a ruse? Were Were they mistaken? Did the third man have a change of heart? All of these questions immediately popped up into the, uh, the, the minds of wrestling fans everywhere, leaving fans frustrated, but also intrigued about what could happen. As the match wound down, the outsiders began to beat down Macho Man Randy Savage in the ring. As the camera cut to perennial good guy Hulk Hogan, who once again was on his way to the ring to save the day. Hogan gets into the ring. The outsiders leave the ring. Hogan commands the ring in a moment that will live in wrestling lore forever. He took a look at the camera, gets delivers one smirk, and then gives a leg drop to Macho Man Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan, who for years was Mr. Eat Your Vitamins, Say Your Prayers, had become what he had fought against for so long. Hulk Hogan had become what he, we thought he hated Hulk Hogan was the third man. He then went on to cut a promo claiming that he was sick and tired of the fans and that the power in WCW and in the wrestling world was shifting and that the New World Order, although at the time he said New World Organization, brother, (laughs) was on the horizon this moment not only it was not only historic because it marked the end of one of the greatest face runs in w wrestling in wrestling history, but also marked the beginning of the NWO, which lit the dynamite that would launch the Monday Night Wars and professional wrestling into the mainstream in the late 90s. And guys, this really was this cannot be understated. Bash at the Beach, 1996 is one of the most important moments in wrestling history because, like I said, everything that happens now, it doesn't happen without this event. Who knows if any of us are fans 
without Bash at the Beach happening. But Juggernaut, I'll start with you. When you first saw this, when you first maybe heard about this event, what was your reaction to it, and what does it mean? You know, you know, I'm like really young and stuff, so I really wasn't around to watch this show live and stuff. Like, because I was born in '98, so I was born at like the tail end of like kind of towards the attitude era and stuff. Right. But so I watched this show like right when the WWE Network like first came out, like so back in like 2014. And of course, you know, I seen clips of, you know, Hulk Hogan doing the leg drop and stuff. But, you know, I heard some other people say, you know, you know, who actually watched the show back then. They said that, you know, they were wondering who who was this person going to be? You know, like people were wondering, go like, was it going to be Lex Luger? Because, you know, he got taken out in this match and, you know, he got stretched off backstage. Right. And people go like, oh, maybe, maybe he might do like a run in him. He might be that third guy. Or people will think it might be Macho Man. You know, he, he might be that person. But no, like, seeing Hulk Hogan come out there, like, and, you know, hearing that pop, you know, everybody is so excited you know, when he first comes out, you know. And it's crazy to see him, do, you know, do a heel turn. Because, like, if he was still in WWF, I don't think he would have ever turned heel. Like, he would have still been doing that, eat your vitamins and say your prayers, brother. You know, he would have still been doing all that. I don't yeah. think a heel turn would have ever happened. And this really, yeah, if you hear the fire just go off outside my house there. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy for wrestling. Like, I tell you what, like, if this never happened, I, I probably, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be a wrestling fan. Cause like, with everything going into the attitude there and stuff, like, this really kicked off the attitude there, in, in my opinion, right here. Like, it this, definitely did. And this, it, and this ignited WWF, to, you know, go like to get their ass in the gear. Go like, okay, yeah, we need to start stepping up our shows and stuff. Like, we need to quit being like all this um, cartoon type of stuff that's going on right now. You know, like with the golden days of wrestling, and you know, actually yeah. become more like that. You know, have more of that edge to them. Mm-hmm. So I think and, this helped out. You know, wrestling in in a whole. Like yeah. it just helped out wrestling so much. And yeah. then, of course, they had that, you know, back and forth, people watching WCW, people watching, you know, Monday Night Raw. You know, it was it's awesome here. Exactly. Um, Trevor, you were actually a fan, right, of wrestling during this time. And, like, you kind of heard about it or at least or, or saw it or heard about it. So as a fan of wrestling in, in 1996, hearing about this, watching it happen, what did you think? So in 1996, wrestling was a bit different. And I'm sure you guys already know that. Um the year prior, uh, uh, Nitro had just kicked off. Um, Hulk Hogan was at the height of his career. He had Pasta Mania, brother. Um, he was that typical babyface heel who was ab- I mean, babyface who was a, a complete annoying. Um, he was not. He, he was. He was the invincible Hogan. Like you couldn't. You couldn't knock him down. He wasn't. He what? He wasn't like giving anybody any play like any fan service or anything he wasn't selling a damn thing like he was just you know popping up that's what Hogan that's what people thought about in Hogan but for 
in that 96 area, you started to see different things happen. Started to see different wrestlers do different things that they hadn't done before. You saw different wrestlers get pushes. Uh, Alex Wright got a couple a couple pushes. Alex Wright, if you guys don't know. Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. I, uh, big <laughs> shout out to Alex Wright. Love Alex Wright. <laughs> Love, I love Alex Wright. Um, and and he was he was a, he was a, a jobber for a very long time. But then in '96, when things started to shift a little bit, you saw different changes in him, um, different changes in other wrestlers they used. Uh, even in in in, in uh, on Raw, you saw some things change. But Raw didn't kick it into gear, like you said, uh, Justin, until mm-hmm. things started to happen on with with this uh, invasion, and so. You, I mean, it was so interesting. My mom, who hadn't watched wrestling in years, and she was a huge Hulk Hogan fan back in the day, and she was watching this with me and my for my brother. We 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 paid the pay per view and watching it, and like me, just like you, Justin, we we were like, hey, maybe it's maybe it's Luger, you know, maybe maybe Luger is the third guy, maybe that's it, and then like you saw Hulk Hogan come out, and my brother doesn't watch the show, but if he did, he'd hear me say that he was right about this, and he can't hear that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so when Hogan came out, my mom said, "Yeah, get him, Hogan." She she was all excited. She said, "My man Terry." She even knew his real name. She said, "Get him, Terry." And me, Chris looked at her and said, I "Don't get your hopes up." And like he called it. He called. He called it completely when he walked in the ring. I don't think anyone else really saw it like that. I mean, I'm sure there were other people. Bobby like, Heenan. Bobby Heenan. Whose side oh, is he on? Whose side is he on? <laughs> and, my, and my brother was like, don't get your hopes up. And as soon as he walked in the ring, he goes, I told you so. And then the leg drop happened. And like, as a kid, and because in 96, I was, I was still a kid. I was what, 11? And so I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like Hulk Hogan. Eat your vitamins. Like I had a I had a wrestle pal of Hulk Hogan because I didn't have the Ultimate Warrior. Um, <laughs> so, bet, bet, bet you still regret. Uh, yeah, you, you would regret that either way. Yeah, either way, <laughs> regret either one. I wanted a big boss man, but anyway. Um, um, but yeah, like it was was one of those things where you're like, wow, this this is crazy that this happened, and then DX, and then everything else that happened forth after that. It was just one of those things. Like it was just a downwards. That, uh, well, actually, one upward, it was prior, but it was upward. It was a good thing, you know. It, it happened. If, if, if it was like Omar said, if it wasn't for that, wrestling wouldn't be the way it is. You wouldn't have hardcore mm-hmm. titles. You wouldn't have the faction battles that you had. Like you wouldn't have a lot. A lot of wrestlers wouldn't be wrestling now because of that. That was. It was one of those things. As a kid watching wrestling grow up, you're like partially heartbroken, but at the same time, you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. Like it. It was. It was amazing. It was it, it, amazing to see. It really was. And and I I like that you said it was kind of like an up uh, it, uh, an uphill kind of like spiral for wrestling from then on because it really was. It I don't want to understate this. In my opinion, I I and I'm someone who like has I'm a, I'm a nerd, right? Like I've 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 read everything, seen like matches from back in like the 1930s. I'm like the biggest wrestling nerd I know, uh, but going back and like looking at wrestling history to me in the grand scheme of things in professional wrestling there's only a few things that are even that are actually as important to the popularity and the interest 
uh, of growing wrestling as this event. And it's like very few things and like they're really obscure things like like uh Trevor remember once we talked about 1925 uh Wayne Munn beat yeah. uh, Ed Strangler Lewis for the mm-hmm. world title and like that was like the unbeatable Ed Strangler Lewis I mean, like right. like like what like he lost and like that 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 means a lot and you know and he was this unbeatable monster that that no one legitimately no one ever thought would lose whether it's Bruno San Martino uh the, Un- the Undertaker less so in his streak because that the wrestling was uh, they didn't really affect his popularity but you know, this is like the CM Punk pipe bomb on steroids as far as what yeah, it means it for the growth yeah. of wrestling afterwards and a trajectory. Because this is what led to wrestling being at its most popular and most profitable in history. And and it's weird because when you look back and watch it, guys, uh, and I'm sure you guys have, have at least watched it a, a few, to, um, few times, yeah. it wasn't even executed that well. Like no, there was a lot. Really there was a lot mm-hmm. that could have gone. Like you had, you had Bobby Heenan saying, "Oh, whose side is he on?" Basically ruining it. Especially um, telling everybody what was going on. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you had Hogan cutting his promo, completely botching the name of this new faction, new the World New World Day. Organization, brother. Um, but there were also things that I thought were little like notches that that actually worked, like the little smirk Hogan gave. Yeah. That was like. You watch that back, guys. That was so brilliant because it was just like, like yeah, he it, actually had a smirk, a smirk on the way to the ring too. Like if you pay attention, like walking to the ring, you're, you're like, it was different. You, you, it felt different. It felt different, didn't it, guys? It was, it was. Yeah, it was, he really yeah. felt a lot different. Like he felt like more of that edginess with him. You know, he felt more like that. You know, turn that heel turn was coming here and stuff. Like he felt very cocky, which yeah. I, I love that. Although you can argue that the Hogan has always been cocky like that. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, look uh, Justin. I don't know if you know. I am. I am. I. I think Hulk Hogan as a face was a bigger heel than Hulk Hogan in the NWO. I, like, like, and in that, real life, in real life, man, dude, no one out heals Hulk Hogan in real life. Like, like that's just the truth. I mean, like, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like, it, they they argue this is one of the biggest heel turns in history, and it is. But you can argue he never honest. turned heel. Is that like? Is it? Let's let's just be honest. Like, the man used to rake eyes and stomp on feet. He cheated all the time. And how are you a face and you cheat that goddamn much? And, oh. and he brought that golden shovel. Also, you know, he he was he oh. brought that. Can't forget about that golden shovel here. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, who who does it better, Triple H or Hogan? Oh, oh Hogan, Hogan by far. Hogan, Hogan by far. Yeah. Hogan by far. Hogan like Triple far. H, I feel like the the Triple H thing is kind of overblown because like you look at Triple H, like he's who's he 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 hasn't really buried anyone by his. He's tried to bury people, but he's really uh-huh. not been successful. Like Booker T is probably the biggest one, right? Like that's like mm-hmm. one big one yeah. everyone points to. But Hogan legitimately ruins like everything. Every <laughs> single one of Macho's title reigns in WCW and WWE, every single one, Hogan ruined the, the night he won. Like <laughs> the first night in WrestleMania was it WrestleMania four when Ho- when yeah. Macho won. Hogan was there. In the ring, mm-hmm. posing, brother, brother, brother. When um, the warrior got over, warrior won the belt. He <laughs> shot right the fuck back up. And, like, uh-huh. and, and, and took all the, the fucking attention off him. Oh, I the, mean, he, and then he to- takes the belt and he and he's like, oh, brother, I, I lost brother, brother. Like, <laughs> brother like. I mean, let's be honest. He, he is the only man that almost single-handedly ruined pasta for everyone. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, and, and then, you guys remember he, he had took, a restaurant called Pasta Mania. <laughs> he took credit for the Gary Coleman grill. You remember that? Oh, oh shit, he sure mm-hmm. did. Oh, George Foreman grill. Gary Coleman George grill. Foreman. Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh was in my mind. I said like, <laughs> Gary. I was like Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman, bro. Uh, it Drake must have been Josh. a little it's, grill. It's it's it's. It, it, it's way too young for you, Boomer. Um, <laughs> but no, going back to just to put a bow on Bash at the Beach, guys. Um, you know, we talked, we touched on like what it means in wrestling history, what it means in wrestling lore. When you think of Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety six, when you think of Hulk Hogan's heel turn, what's like the one thing that really pops into your mind, Justin? I'll start with you. Oh, the one thing that pops into my mind is. Um... You know, Jim, the the fans is throwing stuff at the ring there. That that's yeah. really, like, I mean, we've seen that with like, when did ECW when they did that show where everybody threw steel chairs into the ring and stuff? Oh was yeah, threw trash. Ninety seven. Yeah, that was when Bubba, uh, man, but Bubba Ray is, is is amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like this is like the first like big show where you see where everybody you know like kind of throwing stuff at the ring and like people were just pissed off that you know Hogan turned heel because you know like I said like you never thought that Hogan would you know turn turn heel here you thought it would be a babyface forever yeah. but I like how edgy WCW was you're like hey let's let's take chances here yeah you know, let's, let's take a chance yeah I mean Trevor? that was that was one of those things and and. And just, just to piggyback off what you said, like, I remember, like, watching them throw those bottles. And, and some of them were – and a lot of them weren't plastic. They were glass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they were, like – you could hear them hit the ring, like, clink off the ring and hit the wrestler. Like, there was one point where one hit Nash. He kind of looked, like, like as to say, what the fuck? Like, why is this hitting me? Like, but no, like, I mean – the, a fan, is, a fan entered the ring. Remember, remember yeah. after he sure did. Fan went up and gonna, Scott, Hall, Scott Hall like destroyed him, like kicked the Beat lights the out of the poor dude. <laughs> like it was one of those, it was it was the biggest heel, one of the biggest heel turns we've seen, and like it it literally broke fans' hearts. So, like literally, they were fan. I know a guy that he was a uh, that literally he said after Hogan turned heel, he stopped wrestling. Wrestling, he stopped. He completely stopped wrestling. Wrestling. Like my, like I know, uh, if you, they pay into the fans, a lot of people were crying. Kids were upset. Yeah, kids like, were crying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. man, it, it it was big. It was a big thing. Like I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. wrestling is stage, wrestling is fake, whatever. But it was a big thing. That that was like people cried. People were upset. People stopped watching wrestling. Like yeah, man, it was. Yeah, that was a lot. I'm surprised there wasn't like a big riot that assumed after like a whole Me bunch too. of people just jumped the ring and stuff. Like, well, I mean, tried. I would have been. Yeah, people yeah. drew. Yeah, it was yeah, like crazy. Uh, Trevor. You and I talked about this before. Wrestling and I and and Justin, you'll agree with me on this. I think wrestling is at its best when it feels real. Yeah. That is like when, yes. like because a lot of people, even in '96, like pe- people knew that the business was pretty much a work. There was like a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Like it was more suspension of disbelief, honestly, than there is now. But it, it was it, like the the dirt sheet floor around, and the hardcore fans knew what was going on. But when Hogan turned heel, that all went out the window. For like that mm-hmm. moment in time, this was real. And yep. those are the real turning points, I think, in the history of wrestling. When you legitimately look at when, – when you get the crowd to pop, when you get the crowd to like mark out at what's happening or react in a way that's beyond just like enjoying the, the performance of what's going on, 
that's when wrestling is at its finest because you got them in the palm of your hands. That's what Stone Cold mm -hmm. always says. When you got them in the palm of your hands, that's that that's that's when you can play around with them and then that's when you that's when the business is good because the fans are more intrigued and care more about what they're seeing so this was a and, and also yeah, i want to say i want to say something here like there really hasn't been like as of recent here there hasn't been anything to go like oh yeah like this is, feels like so real and stuff like ever since probably i don't know maybe since like 2001 or so you know like this is like like you're like really suspense in the moment like you're really sus um suspending your disbelief and stuff we really have okay maybe 2011 when cm punk did his whole pipe bomb maybe that yeah. but ever since then we haven't had much of that yeah. i mean maybe with the whole kenny omega stuff going like i'm going to impact and stuff like that kind of threw me for a loop there a little bit yeah yeah, I mean, but even like the Kenny Omega thing, that was kind of like they, they, they we you heard rumblings of like the yeah. whole belt collector yeah. gimmick yeah. that was coming. Uh -huh. So I mean, like even that was, but I think you're right. Like like we haven't, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen mm -hmm. often. And I also think it it, it it obviously you know it's not good for wrestling that it doesn't happen too often. But it, I think it's also like makes those moments even more special, right? Yeah. It makes like those moments like it, it makes like the. the that be a reason for wrestling to increase in popularity, right? It, mm -hmm. it, because you're like, oh shit, I haven't seen this in a long time. Like, there's, like you mentioned 2001, I would say, like, you know, when, when Stone Cold turned heel on um, yes. McMahon, mm -hmm. that was probably like another moment that people were like, what the fuck? Like, you know, um, you know, you could say, like, even like the Daniel Bryan, um, storyline and, and him yeah. winning at Mania. Yeah, the that yes was, moment, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that wasn't even like a moment that felt real, but. It, but this it kind of was. It, it was. It was a very feel good moment that people were legitimately excited to see. Well, you know what? If yeah, because the fans were upset. About... You know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't getting pushed the right way. Trust me, like... I was one of those fans. Yeah, that's Kim, dude, dude. That, that's, that's Trevor. I was like gung ho. Daniel Bryan, tunnel vision. Daniel Bryan was winning the belt off of Roman Reigns at WrestleMania yeah. 37. Yeah, you could not convince me otherwise. <laughs> like, no, it was like this was like I, I guess... don't care. What logic well, says. about feel good moments though? Uh, I guess Edge coming back to Royal Rumble the first year was was a good one too. Um, excuse yeah. you. The real return of that Royal Rumble was Montel Vontavious Porter MVP. MVP. <laughs> you know what? I don't think you can run this show anymore. I think it's <laughs> um, Yeah, you're probably right. Um, guys, just to put a last notch in this uh, segment, greatest heel turn ever? Question mark. So you know what? There's two only two I can think of, honestly. There's only two I can think of. And this is one of them. And now the second one, you have you have to understand what, what time period was, and you also have to understand how much of a face he was. When Shawn Michaels kicked Marty Janetti mm. to the glass. When when Sean when, so I don't know if you're familiar with this, Justin, but um, there was you, you. You do know Shawn Michaels was a member of a team called the Rockers, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan. That's okay, my favorite. Cool. That's my favorite wrestler of all okay, time. We, we can be. We can be definitely the, be friends. The, yeah. The, the yeah. man has a wrestling podcast. You don't think that he knows? What <laughs> you don't think greatest, I know who oh, the Rockers are? Condescending. Oh, no. The, re the reason right I ask is because he's boomer. Because he said he was young. That's that's all. I, that's all he was asked. I mean, but, I am a young fan, but like I do my research. You know, and I, I, I watch old like, stuff. And it, and the, no, that's like you saying like, oh yeah. Like it's like oh yeah back when, so so you don't know this but when 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 George W Bush was president <laughs> like, of course we know no, but like so yeah but 
Brutus Beefcake had his show, the barbershop, whatever. And so, and it was, and they had the little tiff. Shawn Michaels came out in his leather jacket and everything. And they're sitting there. And this, this isn't for you. This is for the rest of the fans that have never seen it. Um, then they're, and they're doing an interview to him. And like, and Brutus is like, what's going on? Like, is there turmoil in the rockers? And, you know, he, Shawn Michaels gives his Shawn Michaels answer. And then, and, and him and Martin they hug, right? They embrace each other. They raise each other's hand. Sean Stone takes a step back and super kicks him directly through paint plank, uh, a glass window. And the greatest thing about that was not just the fact that this is one of the most this was one of the a big pivotal point in Sean's career because you've never seen Sean be healed. That Sean was always a, a perennial face, you know. And but it was also great to hear. Bobby Heenan go, see, yeah, you know, I knew they were going to get back together. One's not, one isn't good as, as, as if he is with the other. One's not good by alone. And then as soon as Sean kicked him through the face, I knew he was going to do that. I just knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby made that, that, that segment so much better. So to me, two greatest heel turns, uh, Shawn Michaels, Marlon Giannetti, Hulk Hogan, NWO. I just want to interject real quick and say that dude, that wasn't even the best Shawn Michaels heel turn. Shawn Michaels heel run in 2005 is historic. No oh, one will ever convince was, me otherwise. Was... It is arguably, no, it is arguably the greatest few months of Shawn Michaels like, like performance that Shawn Michaels yeah. ever had. You're talking I about when love... he was the, um, dude, dude, I NWO? love NWO? No, I'm talking about 2005. Remember when he turned a heel for that Hogan uh, program he did? Oh, that's SummerSlam, mm-hmm. and he okay, did. That was kind of ruined, though. <laughs> what do you I mean, mean? It was kind of no, no, no. Great, but but, but it was but ruined. It, no, but match. come on, that was an okay. The match was not. Yeah. What, oh, that was an amazing. Was, like, fuck, come on, the old school Shawn Michaels, just the like, Bret Hart thing in Montreal. Oh, that was so playing great. Playing his music, oh, amazing, so great. So great, Ju- Justin. I'm sorry. Uh, is this the greatest heel turn ever? Hulk Hogan at Bash the Beach '96. You know, I I think there's actually three. Okay, so that Shawn Michaels one. The, you know, I kind of want to pick it off, pick it back, pick it back off of that one. That was a really good one. Like I really wasn't thinking that one in my mind, but yeah, that's a really good one when he turned on Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Um, another good one is when Stone Cold he turned yeah. heel. Yeah, that that was like um, was that. Was it May twenty seventh? May May seventeen? Yeah, X it was seven May, baby. X seven baby. Two thousand one. You know that that's the that's one of the greatest pay per views ever, like in wrestling history. Um, I think there's uh, another one. No, yeah, yeah. Those are my three. Yeah, those are the three ones. The Hogan, Michaels, and Stone Cold. Yeah. I love how like that last one is like Hulk Hogan's like turned the wrestling business upward, and then Stone Cold turning heel, just like. Right, <laughs> like we just like we just, <laughs> business went in the complete opposite direction. You know, but, another another moment that you know kind of made wrestling you know kind of like feel real, like was when they did the whole Brian Pillman stuff because he didn't know if like he was actually a loose cannon or like if he was playing a character and stuff. Like he really played the biz, like he really knew what he was doing and stuff. Like if he was mm-hmm. still around, I think. Man, he would definitely be he'd be up there with Stone Cold and stuff like smartest man in pro wrestling history, Brian Pillman playing all sides. But I will say this there are as far as heel turns go, there's like no heel turn that I think is more important as far as the wrestling business goes. Like 
it's 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 just like this is it. Like it it, it changed the business forever, and I, that's why for me it's the best, right? It, but if we're talking about like you know storyline wise, right? Specifically, just the story of what was going on. When you think about it, it was really good. Like because just, just to see Hogan turn heel, it was like a spectacle. But the story was pretty shit, if we're being honest. Like, oh yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that great. But like you know, so for me, for like I, I like that's how I kind of think about it. Like the the moment itself was greatest heel turn ever. But as far as the storyline for me, the best storyline heel turn for me, it's a tie between the Macho Man, um, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. The Mega Powers exploding. That's the good like, one because that was built up for a year. That was yeah, like one of the best long term builds. In uh, wrestling history, to be honest, um, so that one and the Andre Hogan, like Andre Hogan, to me in, in 1987, what uh, people I don't think understand really what that meant at that time because Andre was the biggest, most unbeatable monster in pro wrestling. Everyone knew he was never gonna. Uh, everyone knew he was never gonna lose, and. Uh, the fact, and he never wanted the title. That like, he made that abundantly clear for a long time. He never wanted to take the title off of his friend Hulk Hogan. It was a very long build, and then you saw this huge seven foot giant just just explode with rage, rip the cross off of Hulk Hogan, leave him bloody and bleed. It's literally one of Hogan's best coked up promos he's ever done, and it was like one, one of the, mm-hmm. and it was a, and it was one, and it was the best like uh, Piper's Pit. It was. It was amazing. Like, that, that, that in the storyline for me is also like the, I think the best because it just every, like literally anyone who's watching was just so captivated emotionally because people that was like people believed that Hulk Hogan and Andre were really like tight friends and it just poof. So mm-hmm. well, you mentioned that one. At, I, I mean, so we can get to the next segment. I'll say this: um, another one as far as storylines concerned was probably when Shawn Michaels returned and Triple H jumped him in the back and they had that um that unsanctioned match at SummerSlam, I believe. Yes. Was it O two? Right? Yeah. 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 Now that that to me, that as far as storyline and I mean Triple H is always a heel pretty much, but as mm-hmm. far as storyline and heel turn on his best friend, that was a good one too. I I, I put that one up there as well. Cause that Six. one was 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 also dragged out for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And I started watching wrestling a year later. So I started watching wrestling in 2003. Like the first match I ever saw was, it was WrestleMania 19. It was Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. That's the first match. That's the first match I ever saw. Like, because my friend had the the WrestleMania 19 on DVD. And like, and I was was playing the WrestleMania games back in the day. And I go like, oh, like, let let me check out this, you know, show here. And that match has hooked me. Like I was just going, okay, yeah, I, I like this. I had to watch every week then. There you go. <laughs> Trevor, I've been watching to... every, and I've been watching ever since. Ed Strangler Lewis for turning heel on on John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Hate> you. <laughs> this, is, this is gonna be my gimmick. Just get Ed Strangler Lewis like the in in every episode from here on out. Uh, but yeah, no, that was that was great. Um, guys, let's get to our fan questions. So this is our fan questions plural of the week we have a few of them so let's just get started trevor i think the first one is specifically for both of us okay um (laughs) and it says say something positive about wwe bet you can't 
You want to go first or you want me to go first? I mean, look, we look. I, I want to say this. Um, let me let me be clear. Let me be clear. We, we we do say positive things about WWE. Exactly. It just gets overshadowed by all the negative things we just also <laughs> happen to say about WWE. And I, and I think it's more so people involved in WWE than it is actually the whole company. Look, dude, <laughs> look, it's how? it's the creative team. That's what's the problem with WWE. There you go. There you go. Look, like, okay. So, like, who's that? Who's that woman who just got fired for from WWE? What's, Kenise what's Mobley. Kenise Mobley. Kenise Mobley. Writer, like, yeah. like, hey guys, we should just be, go become writers for WWE at this point. Like, no, this no, is, we can't. We're too qualified. We're too, We're too qualified. qualified. <laughs> we, we know too much stuff about wrestling. Okay, exactly. let's just get brainwashed and know nothing about wrestling and then we'll get hired. <laughs> look, okay, okay, look. Yeah, there's that, but like. Trevor, I think every, like we've said SmackDown is a great show. Literally, yes. we've been saying this for the past like six months. I've SmackDown said, is a I've great said show. NXT was good. I, I watch NXT regularly. Roman Reigns is amazing. <laughs> who would have mm-hmm. thought I said that? Roman Reigns in 2020, 2021 has had, what, other than Kenny Omega, he's probably the best in the world right now. Right. Like As far as his gimmick, as far as his 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 matches, as far as like him as a champion, as a leading champion, like what what else do these people want? You I mean, marks, no, we're not you little marks. Their, no, no, we're not gonna kiss their ass because I mean their product. No, isn't it's you know great. what it is. It's but, these little little WWE marks on their keyboard saying uh, AEW baby. <laughs> AEW only had six hundred thousand viewers this week up against an NBA game. WWE meanwhile with more money, with more infrastructure with more fans with with more resources they literally have a fucking like corporation they're traded publicly traded company with real sponsors and and like by the way they really did have a a a, a, a budget cut you really need to take that more serious oh no, this was <laughs> a real thing these these these, these marks these uh, my, my wonderful fans, my, my my fans who love WWE, I apologize. Um, but but <laughs> these wonderful fans who 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 go out and they say, oh well, you know, they weren't doing anything with these people anyway. That's not the point. Don't lie about why you're cutting these. People say it's budget cuts and then saying like, exactly. oh, then, like and then like in the most profitable year of your company. That's bullshit. So yeah, okay, <laughs> you know what? We I think we spent most of that whole question. Talking about why WWE is bad anyway, so we might be haters. It's very possible. We might be. We might but be. no, Roman Reigns is great. SmackDown, I enjoy, and I do enjoy NXT at times. Yes. And and <laughs> please save Alexa Bliss. Free Alexa Bliss, please. Jesus. For God's sake. Hash, free hashtag free Alexa Bliss. Yeah, Absolutely. Free Alexa Bliss. <laughs> um, next question: Will the UK ever host a WrestleMania? That's good interesting. Question. It's a good question. Oh, guys, what do you think, do you think about that? You know, I think they could, you know, with the whole, like, streaming type. Because I remember um, it was, like, back in 2015, maybe? They did, like, a NXT UK TakeOver. Yeah, I was about to there. say that. They've done a and, and they had also, you know, with the whole NXT UK brand over mm-hmm. there, you know, they, they had some, like, TakeOver um, Blackpool, I think. And then uh, they had some more TakeOvers over there. So I think they actually could eventually in the future here. Because, like, with the whole streaming service, because, like, it's not like people are buying, like, pay-per-view buys don't really matter much anymore. No. And so it's more about the subscriber count. Like, if their subscriber count is going up, like, as long as Vince is getting money, 
Yeah, he, who cares if WrestleMania is kind of being held at? And that, that'd be exactly. pretty historic. That'd be pretty historic to see, you know, WrestleMania be over there. So in the UK. real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. I disagree. I just want to say this. I disagree, and I'll get to it later. But Trevor, uh, you go ahead. My, I had a question. What pay per view was that? That was in. Wasn't the one in like England? Insurrection. Or- Insurrection, What's, Rebellion, Capital Card, yeah. 98. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I thought they had one. They had yeah. me pay-per-views, though. They, oh, sorry. No, they, they had, had C pay-per-views. These were yeah, like non-canon <laughs> wrestling pay-per-views. Yeah. Best WrestleMania-based, but still. I mean, it could happen. Um, And, I mean, they have done an NXT over there, like you said, and other pay-per-views over there, and they've done pretty well. But, I mean, it could happen. I don't think it will, but it could happen. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys why it will never happen. This is like a known secret. The reason we haven't seen another wrestling pay-per-view in England, like a major, major, like SummerSlam, Royal Rumble uh, event in England, is because Vince, to this day, has this belief that he doesn't want to hold one of these pay-per-views, you know, on a tape delay. He doesn't want to hold these pay-per-views, like, because he'll do an NXT takeover. He'll do like a, he'll do a no way out or something like that, right? He'll he'll do that, and he'll be perfectly fine doing that. He does not care. What he won't do is do a tape delay or, you know, a weird time WrestleMania uh, in England because... It doesn't, the timings just don't work out for the fans who are there. You know, it's like different types of like stuff for WrestleMania access. There's like permits and stuff you have to get that you don't really need in WWE and in the United States rather. So the logistics of it, I don't think will ever work out. If we're being on, if I'm being honest, as long as Vince is in Mm -hmm. charge, I don't think it'll ever happen because he still has, it's still to this day has that long held belief. I promise you this Saudi Arabia will get a WrestleMania before the UK does. That is like, I totally and, agree. and it's disappointing. I totally it's so agree. disappointing to think about, but everyone knows it's true because if Saudi Arabia puts, they are willing, they, they prove they're willing to put up a bunch of money. If they give WWE the same gate, the same exact gate they would get at WrestleMania without having to do nearly as much as the promotion or the work, Vince is going to take that. He will 100% take that. And they'll do a big Saudi mania <laughs> running wild here with King Salman. And they'll do with, with JBL on commentary with, with all of this. And they'll do it. <laughs> you, we all know Saudi they'll game. do it. They, they already did a Royal Rumble there. Might as well. Like they're Greatest like, I, like, Royal Rumble ever. <laughs> how, was it, yeah, was it? That was is that what they called name, it? The greatest Royal Rumble ever. Um, what a creation! And then name. they also called. Um, then they have like the Super Showdowns over there. Oh my god, those, Crown, those shows are just Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. Oh, don't even get me started with these bad shows. Like yeah. Oh my so Lord. so these so I so as disappointing as that is, it's the reality of what WWE is and what they're looking for. They're not. Necessarily- but sometimes it's kind of funny to go back and like kind of watch these like. Saudi Arabia shows because you go like, man, this is really bad, like corny stuff. Like this is bad stuff here. It's kind of funny to go back and watch it. To be I honest. will never, dude. I will never watch the one of those Saudi shows ever. Because like, it I went just... back this year and watched that um great like the big the biggest Royal Rumble match or whatever. Like how I many guys there, were in there? Like you 50 just guys. Said it, gra- don't don't act like you don't know. It's the greatest Royal the great, Rumble the great... ever. That's literally the name of the show. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man, so like good. so. Yeah, I went back and watched it. You know, watching Titus on the slipping under the ring like oh my gosh like, what a meme right there what a, what a meme it was so funny <laughs> that, that meme's gonna outlive titus o'neill i promise you that <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> um but yeah no i uh, sorry i i don't think it's gonna ever gonna happen it's, it's just not i'm sorry it should 
That and it should yeah. because the UK has been long time they have been ignored and and they're one of the they are the arguably the most passionate and the most hungry fans for mainstream wrestling and they don't get that but hopefully and also they will come up with some really good chance at wrestlemania like oh a lot better a lot better than what some of these chants like that people oh do in the united states here like oh I, I, I love this one from nxt <laughs> i hate that chant it's my least so favorite chant ever no but I, I love like um what they did uh um nxt takeover like uh i think it was Car- cardiff or something like that like where they took off their shoes for who was it oh man he's done What's his name right now? Um, Gibson. Like, it was like, shoes off if you hate Gibson. Like, they come up with some, with some crazy <laughs> chants and hey, stuff. I, hey, I love Bailey. it. Hey, Bailey. Ooh, ah, I want to know. Oh, yes. That's, oh, that's a very classic. Be my girl. Yes. Yeah, they're great. Like, and, and they put an effort. They, here's the thing. In the U.S., we give up on our chants very easily. Yeah, they're, they're like, I don't do. They yeah, are right, they are made of something different. That, the, the, the lung power, the lung capacity of these motherfuckers <laughs> are is it's amazing. Uh, it, it is amazing. All right, let's get to our final fan question of the night. This is interesting. Who is someone that should be in the Hall of Fame but isn't? Uh, I'm assuming he's talking about the WWE Hall of Fame, not the TNA Hall of Fame. So guys, what do you <laughs> think about that? What, what do you think about that? Who should be in the WWE Hall of Fame but is not? How about you go first, Justin? Oh man, like there's a name, but like I don't know if like I want to say the guy's name on like, I mean Crispin. Why? I mean he. That's a person who should be in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he will ever be in the Hall I of mean, Fame. I get where you. I get why uh, you say. That. I yeah. do. I get exactly why you say that. Uh-huh. Um, he he's one. Um, also another one you can throw in that in that category is Owen Hart, but Owen Hart, Owen Hart does not yeah. deserve to be in there because of the way they treated him. Mm-hmm. Um not because of what he did, but Benoit doesn't, I mean, here's the thing, you can't, if, you can't take away his wrestling ability, but like, with how big WWE is and stuff, like, they cannot afford to put him in there. Just no, get, I mean, just because, and, and, despite yeah, on the ahead. fact on what, despite on the fact on what, you know, what he did and stuff, which I just recently went back and watched the uh, Dark Side of the Ring for Chris Benoit, which Dark Side of the Ring is amazing. That's Absolutely. Some, if, if you guys never checked out Dark Side Ring, like, definitely check it out. It, it's great. Like, season three has been great also. I've yeah, it's been, been watching really that. Love it so much. But you, you've seen the Dark Side of the Ring, right? Mm-hmm. So you saw the Benoit one. And to me, the, and, and I've said this quote on, on here once before, I think the best way to sum that that show up was the way Jericho did. When he, when he first started, he goes, if you do not want to hear a murderer celebrated and talked about in a common manner or whatever, don't watch this because mm-hmm. th- because that's the thing. Like, it was he one of one was he one of the greatest one of the best technical wrestlers I've seen. Yes, he's yes. one. Of, he definitely is, hands down. One of the best technicians I've ever seen in the ring. What he did in the ring for his size for his stature was absolutely amazing. His abilities was crazy. That his similarities to Dominic Kid is astonishing, and almost scary actually. And in inside the ring and outside the ring, but the what even though it, you can say is chalk it up to CTE, you can chalk it up to him not being himself. Unfortunately, he did what he did. Two pe- two people are three people are no longer on this on this earth because of him, and for that he cannot be in the Hall of Fame. Right now, oh. now if it, what 
you know, if he did just did that to himself and stuff, you know, I mean, suicide it's, is not. That's one thing, didn't, right? That's, didn't just yeah, yeah. 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 If, like, was, like if he would have, I mean, if he wanted to kill Nancy and his son, yeah. I, I, uh-huh. I want to say, uh, so full disclosure, Chris Benoit up until 2007 was my favorite wrestler. He was like the mm-hmm. first. He was Chris Benoit is the reason that I'm a diehard wrestling fan. I want to make mm-hmm. that very clear. And he's also the reason that wrestling, the the that WWE, like people, we cannot understate this, guys. In 2007, when this happened, this was like everything that was ever like said bad about wrestling. Everything was ever all the tropes about how dangerous and how terrible and how uh, um, you know manipulative and 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 just soul crushing the wrestling business is was proven right in. Uh, when when that Benoit tragedy happened, when he murdered mm-hmm. his wife, when he murdered his child in Daniel, that was that was literally the people don't understand how how that could have led to the downfall of wrestling, because it was at a time when the business was at, at a downswing as it was, and and it was just the PR it was a PR nightmare, but it was also like people don't understand how they affected independent wrestling as well. People. Like independent wrestling was getting a lot of flack for it, so it's like this of one event legitimately almost brought down like the wrestling business, and mm-hmm. it's for that reason that no matter what, whether it's AEW, WWE, TNA, whether it, I don't care at Cauliflower Alley Club, Chris Benoit should never be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and I and as a, Chris, a former Chris Benoit fan, I'm I'm very clear about I think my. I'm very clear in my thinking about that because as great as he was, and he in the ring technically, in my opinion, was the greatest technical wrestler in the history of wrestling. He made everything look like it was hard work. He sold like nobody else. He Everything he did was crisp. Even when he botched, it was crisp. But to put Benoit in the Hall of Fame would be, I think, to legitimize the bad parts of the wrestling business that we as wrestling fans, that people as promoters, that that the talent are trying to get rid of the 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 stigma against wrestling, and we can't highlight that stigma. And I that's again that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. He, he's never he's obviously never going to go in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's a known fact, and that's why I think he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but going um, back to the question and maybe let's put a lighter tone on this man benoit <laughs> um virgil what do we think about that virgil how how is virgil not in the wwe hall of fame i mean coco beware is in the hall of fame tori wilson Brutus they didn't, the fucking barber beef they didn't give him 20 dollars. that's why he's not in the hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> they would have given him 20 dollars I I think I've told this story before. I saw Virgil at uh, Wait, is, is Angle in the Hall of Fame? Yes. He is. He is. He is. What year, I, what year did Angle go into the Hall of Fame? 2018. 20, or sorry, 2017. Yeah, yeah well, it 33. was 2017. I, I kind of swore I like I, I thought he went in like if if Angle was in, I would definitely. I couldn't say remember if the demolition was in there or not. They're not. They're not. So demolition should be in there. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, the, yeah. the one the one person that I for years have been saying should be in, considering what he meant and and you know like really like he accomplished a lot. Lex, how is Lex Luger not in the WWE Hall of Fame? Legitimately, how the hell is Lex Luger, uh, Narcissus, the former Narcissus? You can you can say something similar about him. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah, that's kind of why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, with 
with Virgil a lot of people. For Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, Virgil for Hall of Fame. Twenty twenty two. Yes. I mean, not to put put a put a pin in your balloon, but no, like, no, yeah, that pin is is well deserved. Uh, yeah. But my fair. pick is probably William Regal. Yeah, Lord yeah, Stephen yeah. Funley, Funley. Where's Finley and and his <laughs> and his Hall of Fame Hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. <laughs> yes. Dude, Coco B wears in it. The three of us could be in the Hall of Fame at this point. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, a- AJ Swoggle. A- a- they did the whole like the phenom like in impact recently. Oh yeah. Well, I think it was like back in it was in November sometime. I did the whole like oh there's gonna be a phenomenal person like, like AJ Styles didn't show up, but they did like they played AJ Styles theme in it, and then um yeah it was Swoggle came out. Like, like dude, this is, this is so funny. It's ludicrous to me that X Pac is a two time Hall of Famer. And and like, I'm not talking about Xbox anymore. I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if you guys want to hear his thoughts on Xbox, go watch. Uh, go in the archives. Check out that video. Uh, there's nobody in this world who hates Xbox more than uh, Trevor. <laughs> Trevor is the living embodiment of Xbox heat. He he lives. <laughs> he thrives on his own on on giving Xbox heat. But uh yeah um. Uh, yeah, so I think that those are the fan questions we got this week, boys. Do we have anything else in the world, uh, the wacky, wild world of professional wrestling? You guys want to talk about any final takes? No, I think uh, I think we said it all tonight, man. We said a lot tonight. You said a lot tonight, yeah. Well, Justin, that's... thanks for joining us, man. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. You know, it was awesome being on here. Hopefully, I can be on, you know, some more fu- um, some more future shows here. Shit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe yeah. we can do some of yours as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got to return yeah. the favor. That's how that's how these YouTubers grow. You guys can find Justin from Juggernaut zero ninety seven on Twitter at true the true JSB again on Twitter at the true JSB. You can also find him on YouTube.com forward slash Juggernaut. 097. Dustin, thank you for joining us today. Trevor the Barman Sutton, as always, thank you for joining me. I am El Jefe of Real Take Unincorporated. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. Real Take Wrestle Talk. <laughs>